evening, everybody. Welcome into Hoopsville. Sorry for the slight delay there. Another camera glitch. We'd love to know why we lose our camera every time, almost every time we start our show. But it doesn't matter. We're on the air now, and we're up and running. If you got questions for us about Division Three basketball, you can <clears throat> join us on social media. Just look for D3 Hoopsville on most of your favorite devices. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville or on youtube.com slash D3 Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting the show in those two locations. Lots to cover. You can also email us at hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's information sitting at the bottom of your screen. We hope you'll take advantage of it because we love interacting with you, to say the least. Lots to talk about tonight. Lots to look forward to. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and I hope you will enjoy the show with us. As you can probably tell over our or my left shoulder, we've got the guests lined up. They're not all of them, but most of the guests lined up on our tilt board. They include all ranked top 25 teams tonight. We'll start with the number one team in all the land. John Carroll, men's basketball, will join us. Pete Moran to discuss his team's success this season, the upcoming OAC race, of course. Then we'll go just slightly down the top 25, talk to Guilford men's basketball coach Tom Palumbo about the Quakers' hot start to the season, including some big wins and what should be an absolutely crazy Old Dominion Athletic Conference race. Then we'll switch gears, talk women's basketball. We'll jump back into the WIAC a little bit sooner than we anticipated, but we have to talk about the Blue Devils of Wisconsin Stout. Hannah Iverson will join us on the show to talk about just how good Stout has become and how much deeper that makes the WIAC race. Great conversation with her earlier today. Looking forward to having you all hear that. Then we'll talk to Bob Amsbury of Wartburg, the near miss last season, along with other near misses, and how that's driving the team this season and their aspirations and goals every season. Great conversation with Coach Amsbury. That is coming up and not on the tote board. We will head to Salem, Virginia to talk a little bit of football. Well, not quite football. I know it's a basketball show. But Pat Coleman will join us here on the program to ultimately give us a little bit of a preview of the 50th Stag Bowl and the 25th in Salem. But we really tip our hat to the city of Salem, which has done a lot for the championships in Division Three, in the NCAA, etc. So we will take our time to acknowledge them. Uh, I, and hopefully by that point, I will have gotten a graphic made. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to multitask like you wouldn't believe. Hopefully we'll have a graphic made uh, to go along with that because I asked for some information and got it, and now I just got to use it, as it were. So there you go. We also have some games from around Division Three that we will be keeping an eye on tonight. There is a huge top 25 battle going on tonight in men's basketball between Swarthmore and Hampton-Sydney. That game has just tipped off. We'll keep an eye on that one. Another big ODAC battle, or non-ODAC battle, sorry, Virginia battle, battle of the Virginia um, Beach area as Virginia Wesleyan and Christopher Newport do battle. That game has just tipped off in men's basketball. We're keeping an eye on Emory as well. They're playing right now. They've actually got a 10-point lead on the Petrels of Oglethorpe on the black court. Do not head over there. You're going to listen to the show. We'll keep you up to date on that one. It was a 43-40 game at halftime after the Eagles hit a three-pointer right before the buzzer. And they have come out firing on a 12-5 run to start the second half. On the women's side of things, somewhat of a quiet night, actually. No top 25 teams in action on the women's side, but we'll keep an eye on things out there 
nonetheless. So there you go. Lots going on. We hope you will uh, dive in and join us. We hope you'll enjoy the conversations that we'll have with a lot of people. We have an absolutely jammed show. That's why we're calling it Jam Session. Not to mention also calling it Jam Session because, well, you know, it's that time of year when student-athletes are jamming for exams. So... All those reasons are why we'll be talking plenty about Division Three. You can also join us, by the way, on those simulcasts. We're on Facebook and on YouTube simulcasting the show as we speak. So feel free to use the chat functions there. We will do our best to reply to you when we see those. Um, and so on and so forth. We'll do our best to answer emails as well. I've got the email sitting up on my monitor over here to the right. Um, so there you go. Uh, we talked about the new top 25s. I'm glad everybody enjoyed our conversation on Monday uh, when we chatted with the guys to talk about women's basketball. Of course, that being uh, Scott Peterson and um, Riley Zayas. We certainly have more to talk about there overall, and I'm looking forward to, when we get into the new year, getting in more depth with the men's and women's committee, or committees, <laughs> we'll talk to them too, but the men's and women's crews about what they see in Division Three land. Um, again, we have some bigger ideas that if we can figure out some other things, we'll, we'll look forward to doing, but we'll see how it all plays out as it were between now and and then otherwise top 25 action we should point out again these this top 25 poll uh that you saw on monday is the last one we will get uh for before the holidays uh quick look at results uh this is actually from a few days ago so i don't have actually results so take that back i thought we had some updated results today we don't so um but again you know you're talking about some well, you're talking about a lull in the action, which I'll get to, by the way, with our, with our schedule of the show, too. But um, you, this is kind of this weird time of year where either teams have decided they're just taking the whole time off after exams and the holidays and then restarting things post-holiday um, time. Some of that is right after Christmas. Some of that's right after New Year's. And some go right into conference play as a result. Others are dipping their toes in the water of still playing some opponents. Uh, the teams we talk to tonight, for the most part, will be doing that. And in the case of Wartburg, their next four games are pretty good challenges, both at home in their own um, tournament and in Nashville, Tennessee. Of course, the Las Vegas tournament, D3Hoops.com Classic, will certainly see its fair share of pretty good teams showing up out there. So... This is this weird area where some teams just flat out don't play or occasionally don't play, depending on the year, and others who are always still trying to mix in some games so that they don't overload themselves in November necessarily or overload themselves in early January before getting into conference play. I don't think there's a perfect science to it. Of course, there's teams like Christopher Newport and Salisbury and Mary Washington in the uh, C2C conference that are slamming all their games in at this point because the time frame between mid-January and end of February, really mid-February, is going to be a little bit light before they end up picking up some uh, games against their own conference mates. It's just an interesting scenario for all teams involved, and that is one of those things we'll keep an eye on, and that's one of the reasons we're not getting a new top 25 until after the holidays. It's a risky venture because you really hope the top teams in all the land will not be um, will not be stumbling 
during that time period. Uh, best we can do is certainly keep an eye on them and what they're doing, and which is why we're watching some of that men's basketball action tonight. For example, five minutes into the game, Hampton Sydney leads Swarthmore nine to two. And of course, that is a game of six v twenty five. Number six is Hampton Sydney. Number twenty five is Swarthmore. Virginia Wesleyan not ranked against number twelve Christopher Newport, and it's Virginia Wesleyan who's up twelve three five and a quarter into the game and it's 14th ranked emory against a pretty decent oglethorpe squad but they have absolutely come out swinging it is an 18 to 9 run in the opening five minutes of the second half and emory is in control 61 49 on the blacktop of oglethorpe so those are the things we'll keep an eye on along some with some win along with some women's scores as well again we mentioned later in the show we will hear from pat coleman we'll t- uh, kind of go back retrospectively to look at the impact the city of Salem has made on Division Three championships and the NCAA championships in its totality and get a little bit of a preview of the Stag Bowl and, of course, all of their coverage, which will begin tomorrow. Don't forget to go to our partners at D3Football.com for all the conversation that will be. Uh, they will start their pregame at 4.30, it sounds like. Well, more from Pat and game times, of course, at 7, what I do a lot of the time is I will queue up the game on the TV and I will queue up the game on the audio broadcast from our partners at D3 Football and listen to it that way. So I encourage you to do the same. Um, though usually, sometimes we get some pretty good broadcasters on the TV side. Last year, eh, not so much. Um, but, you know, we've had the likes of Joe Davis um, and uh, what's his name, who just became the Detroit Tigers play-by-play guy, leaving the White Sox. They, they've been in that mix. Of course, Pam Ward was one of those as well, and nothing against Pam, but I was never impressed with the work done there. But we'll talk plenty more with Pat coming up. And again, John Carroll and Guilford men, Stout and Wartburg women coming up on the show as well. So if you got questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us. Tweet or email us. Fire away. We are always interested in hearing from you. And we hope you'll uh, spend some time with us tonight here on the show. Uh, and really great conversations with coaches ahead. I mean, John Carroll and Guilford, two top three programs. You're going to hear from two coaches. One, Pete Moran, who's you know somewhat still young to the job. Tom Palumbo at Guilford, who has definitely been around for a little bit of time. And then on the women's side, same deal. Uh, Catherine, or I mean, sorry, Hannah Iverson, the head coach at Stout, is in her sixth year as a head coach, uh, leading the Stout program that she certainly knows well from when she grew up in the area. And then you have Bob Amesbury, who Amesbury has been at Wartburg for quite some time. So it's an interesting kind of dichotomy uh, on the show tonight. Looking forward to having you hear all of those still ahead on this program. Um, Reminder, okay, so programming. We'll be on the air Monday the 18th with another show at 7 o'clock Eastern because we got an interesting weekend of games here. And uh, we got that tournament coming up at Nashville. Because of that event, I actually thought about doing the show on the 21st. That's kind of one of the reasons we were keeping our toe in the water on the 21st. At this time, unless you hear otherwise, we are not going to do the show on the 21st. For a lot of reasons, um, but most importantly, the last couple of days, kind of just realizing, you know, I don't get a chance to be at home for extended periods of time, uh, especially with the kids around the holidays. So they've got some time off coming up uh, before Christmas. 
and I will be out of town right after Christmas to the D3Hoops.com Classic. I don't remember what year we're going into there. Um, I want to say 13th, maybe, maybe something like that. I've been to every one of them. Um, so we're just going to spend some time that night. Um, that's the first full day that both of them are at home. My daughter will be a, be at home for a day and a half prior to that. So, you know, I got some ideas of just sitting back, having some maybe some holiday cookies and some holiday shows and just relax with the kids. So uh, we're not going to do a show on the 21st unless something drastically changes that forces our hand and we go to do it. The other reason is a couple of the segments I'm working on, people aren't quite as ready as I was ex- anticipating. Well, and maybe I was a little late to the party on getting those booked. So we're going to we're going to push those ahead to another time um as a result of that so uh no show on the 21st unless something changes and you stick to our social media we'll let you know but so our our last show of the of the 2023 part of the season will be coming up on monday at seven o'clock all right with that we're going to take a break when we come back we will talk john carroll men's basketball pete moran joins us talk about a program that's never been in the position that he's found his program in Division Three, You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. So much more in a jam-packed show of Hoopsville ahead live right now. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. 
It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual, sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this Monday, the 14th of December, we are live. If you're tuning in now, if you're tuning into the podcast, we finally got those up and running. Um, sorry to bear uh, all those who love our podcast. We've been way behind getting those edited, but that is, they'll be up and running if you're listening to us live very soon, and uh, we appreciate your patience. On men's basketball, John Carroll's the new, number one team, not new per se. They were they were number one last uh, week as well, but moved into number one in Division Three, playing very good basketball at seven and zero. Considering uh, we're not that far removed from a very difficult eight and sixteen campaign, of course, right after what COVID did to everything, it's a incredible turnaround for a program that also went twenty three and five last season, and for the first time in program history, they're actually the number one team in all the land. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is Pete Moran, the head coach of the uh blue streaks coach first and foremost thanks for taking the time um congratulations on the number one i'm i'm sure there's a lot of more business to be had but you guys have got to be proud too now you know what david thank you first and foremost for having me on um you know we're extremely excited you know obviously i'd be lying to say that uh you know we didn't see those rankings when they came out but you know it's a true testament to not only these guys are play now but but the staff uh i've staff that have been around for for quite some time and you know it's a testament to our university our our, our entire athletic department you know our athletic director who uh you know we have new ad and, and he's one of the best in the country so we're, we're extremely excited about the uh not only the, the the current state of our program but collectively the the state of uh you know our university and our athletic programs I've had my mic off the whole time. People have just been listening to me yabber uh, without a microphone on, so we fixed that. They can hear you just fine, just not me. Um, should point out, what I was trying to say is, for the first time ever, uh, John Carroll's number one in all the land and off to a tremendous start, not that far removed from a, a tough campaign, which we'll talk about in a minute. But you talk about your coaching staff. You basically inherited the coaching staff your father had. Um Mm-hmm. And didn't make a lot of changes. You know, Pat Moran, I, I think we know that name. Um, Frank O'Brien, who's been around, uh, if memory serves, a, a little bit of time. 
Uh, he's in his 20th season. I'm just quickly looking on the website because I don't want to get it wrong. Spencer Rule in his 14th season. Matt Moran, oh, he's a little new. He's he's a little new, but I recognize the last name. Um, Wojo, apparently you've got the ESPN reporter on your coaching staff. I don't know if you got that note. Uh, Dave Wojciechowski uh, is in his first season. That, that's a heck of a, of a steal. But tell me a little bit about that because – you really didn't want to change. If I remember our conversations in the past, you didn't want to change a lot of what your father was doing. No, I, I didn't. I, I think the core values of, of what our program has been built on. Obviously, my father's had a tremendous amount of success, you know, in his 25-year tenure at John Carroll. But I, I think, you know, we've changed some things, you know, style-wise, but, but the core values have always stayed the same. Um you know, and inheriting a, a staff that uh, I was a part of the staff my father's last five years. You know, we haven't uh, steered too far away from those values. And, uh, you know, that's really hard work and preparation, right? Uh, you know, it's something my dad has instilled in not only myself, but the entire staff. Uh, I'm overly excited about, you know, having those guys. They're some of my best friends, obviously some relatives, but bringing along Coach Wojciechowski, um, just, just a staple in Northeast Ohio, um, he, he really brings a different energy, you know, to our program. That what's interesting is you guys did have that struggle eight and 16 the year after COVID in 21, 22. And I remember there was a lot of talk ahead of last season. Look out, you know, look where they've come. And I, I was one of those early in the season said, well, I'm going to wait. <laughs> I want to mm-hmm. see how it comes together. I am curious. What is, what has been the biggest key to the success? Cause not a lot of programs can go eight and 16 and then 23 and five and be relevant and be in the conversation and then back it up the next year and still be relevant, still be at the top of your game. What's been, what's been the, um, the real key to that turnaround and that success? Well, you know, Dave, beyond having individuals that can play at a high level, um, you know, we also have the right, right caliber of individuals that, that are within our university. Um, you know, they, they've embodied, they've embraced our mission as a Jesuit institution and, and all the guys that we, we, we got last year. Right. I mean, that's been the hot topic for the last two years. And I've been asked that question uh, quite a few times. I'm slowly but, walking like to that. One. Yes. But like I said last year, I, you know, when we spoke, you know, these guys weren't portal kids or young men. These are all guys in our backyard that, that, that each and every one of them we have a relationship with. Um, and that, that could be my younger brother, Matt, who joined the staff. He coached Luke Frazier and Luke Eller. Um, and all these guys, you know, my nephew, Luke Chacon. Uh, and I can go down the line of where the connections took place. So, you know, far beyond prior to them coming, there was relationships. And you know what? We probably had seven or eight individuals reach out to us this past summer about transferring. And, and they didn't fit our culture and, and what we were looking for. So, yeah, we were lucky to, to have some talent talented young men come in our program, but we have the right individuals that came in. And I think that's why, you know, we've had success last year and, and then we continue to have success this year. And that's the key. It has to be the right ones. It can't be anybody. We, we heard that just the other day in another conversation with a coach about those who've transferred into the program and made an immediate impact. Some who are starters for their old programs who now are coming off the bench. You either have to understand you're coming into a new program and you may have to take on a new role or you all have to understand, hey, that player might be really good, but that's not going to work here. So in some ways, mm-hmm. it's really been interesting how much talent you've gotten in that is working. 
Well, I think last year was was I think it was kind of a, uh, a an experiment, right? You know, we knew we had talent, but how is it going to work? You know, the game of basketball is the greatest team sport there is. Um, and getting guys to gel together and not necessarily off the court, but just playing together. Um, you know, so we, we reflected hard on this offseason um, and, and we really dissected the program. How can we get better in the littlest of ways? You know, that, that stems from nutrition. You know, we've emphasized you know, nutrition, getting sleep, you know, getting in the weight room. You know, we're blessed with one of the best uh, strength and conditioning coaches in all Division Three, is Tim Robertson. So we really dissected the program. And this year we have a year of data, right? You know, we know what we have now because we've coached these guys. So, you know, understanding what we have and what works is, is, you know, that's, that's why we've had success early on, uh, really because of the hard work of the staff and us meeting endlessly over summer to, to try to maximize, you know, our potential. And, and these guys, you know what, also at the division three level, you got to really love to play the game, right? It, it's, it, it's, there's not scholarships being held over their head. And these guys, they love to play the game. They love being around each other. But more importantly, they, they've really embraced the university. And, and you know, they, they become, you know, uh, you know, staples within the university across campus, um, which is extremely exciting to see. Looking at what you guys have done, I don't remember if I asked you this last year when we had you on. I'm curious, how much have you retained that your dad was known for and what the program was known for and the style and how much have you come in with your own ideas of what you want to do? Because there are times I watch the game, and I don't think I'm watching a uh, a Moran offense or or a mentality. It does feel different, but there also seems to be some similarities. Well, you know, the the, the game has elevated and changed drastically. You know, since uh, my dad retired seven years ago, I think just the individual skill that 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 these athletes can do. So. Obviously, there's a lot more ball screening going on in, in basketball nowadays. You know, we've retained a lot of the pressure, you know, uh, getting up and down, you know, trying to, you know, uh, speed up the game as much as we possibly can. But, you know, this year was, was a little different because we have two All-Americans. And, and I'll say this till I'm blue in the face. Luke Chacon and Luke Frazier are All-Americans. They're as good as anyone I've ever seen play Division Three basketball. And I've been, you know, uh, I grew up in a Division Three household and, and I've been a uh, – uh, a fan of Hoopville and and what you guys have done. So, uh, you know, they're, they're as good as you get, but we also have four big guys that are extremely talented and and they're kind of the, uh, you know, let's say we're a tree. Those guys are kind of our, our, our tree trunk. Um, you know, what they're able to do and, and how they're able to, you know, run the floor and, and bang against bigger guys. So um, we've been able to, you know, balance those things out. Whereas last year, you know, it was kind of feeling out, you know, how do guys respond, right? I know now how a guy would respond. Whereas last year, you know, you kind of tiptoe around things and, and you're feeling them out. Although there's relationships, you don't know which guys you can blast and which guys you need to pat them on their, their behind a little bit. But, you know, back to, to your question, you know what? I still think, yes, on the court, you know, you, you'll see a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of things different than, than when my father was a coach. But I think when you look at the core of who we are and, and what we want to do and the preparation that goes into it and the mentality that, that, that we try to instill in these young men on the court is the same. You know, guys that play hard, guys that get on the floor and, uh, 
you know, we, we'd like to think we're, uh, you know, we have a pretty, uh, pretty nice brand, nice entertainment when you come to John Carroll games. Let's talk about who you've played so far. Again, when, um, you've beaten everybody, uh, including a, a really strong win over Penn State Harrisburg in Susquehanna, 83-63. And then you took on Susquehanna, a team I've seen and, and played them to 10 points. It's a sneaky, good team. I, I don't think people appreciate oh, yeah. just how good and young that Susquehanna team is. Got past uh, mm-hmm. Baldwin Wallace in an overtime game. Got past Ohio Northern. And I've said this from the moment I saw him opening weekend. You had a battle with Muskegon, and nothing about that surprises me. Um, from your perspective, though, how has the season gone in the opening seven? Well, we're excited, right? But but any coach you ask that, they're going to probably give you the same response. We got to get better, right? Um, you know, you look at BW, at BW, look, uh, Muskingum, Matt Muskingum. The, the OEC is, uh, you know, I, I'm sure coaches, they, they always want to push their conference, but I, I've never seen our conference as deep as it is this year. And, and there's no easy cupcakes. Uh, you know, obviously Wilmington's coming into our, uh, to, to University Heights on Saturday. You know, they're coming off a win at Mountain Union and, you know, they're up 10 or 12 at halftime against Marietta. Um, There's no easy games. There's no break. There's there's no time to take a sigh of relief and really reflect on what you've been able to accomplish. And, uh, you know, I think that's just a testament to our conference. And, you know, in my opinion, it's one of the top, if not the top conference, top to bottom, because there's no easy outs. No, it has gotten tough. That is for sure, uh, and it won't get any easier after the Wilmington game. You'll take on Hamden Sydney in a game mm-hmm. uh, at your place on the nineteenth. Then take the holiday break. Then you head to Worcester, where you'll at least play Wheaton. Um, I do you know who? Who's? I didn't even meant to look it up. Who's on the other end of that? Uh, Worcester is on the other side. Well, of course, I I can't. Is it uh, Stevens? I I, I got that's up. okay. But still, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about Wilmington right, right now. Right, exactly. But still tough, and then you get back into conference play. So this isn't going to be you're, – you're not finding any necessarily cupcakes along the way. Um, you know, SUNY Oneonta might have been the easiest team you might play this season. Um, otherwise, the, the rest is going to be difficult. I know that coaches like to talk game to game and, and focus just there. How do you keep everybody else on the team focused that way too? Because it's not that hard to look ahead and see that hampton Sydney's lurking past Wilmington. It's not that hard to look ahead when you're sitting in Worcester and know that you've got Heidelberg on the other side of the new year. How do you keep the team focused as much as you're trying to stay focused on game to game? Well, we, we meet with our guys regularly, obviously film preparation. And it all starts with the staff. It starts, you know, uh, you know, starts with, with my, with me and, and my messaging. Um, you know, we haven't said, said Hampton Sydney yet in, in a team meeting. We haven't, I'll be honest with you, I haven't looked at one thing on Hampton, Sydney. Uh, um, it's just, that's not where we're at. I think we're focused, you know, on the ne- next task at hand. And, uh, you know, we, we know the, the OEC and our guys, again, they tasted that a little bit last year. We played Wilmington at our place. We only beat them by two. Uh, we went down there and I think we just won by 10 or 12. So, you know, these guys, you know, although they came from higher levels, I think they have much more of an appreciation for Division Three basketball, more specifically Division Three, so um, you know, not taking a team lightly and, and preparing as if uh, you know we're playing in a national championship game is kind of our messaging and, and and how we present information to our guys. Talk about your guys. You, amazingly, what is scary about your team is you only have three seniors slash fifth years. You've got eight 
juniors. This is still a team developing that could be just as strong, if not as strong, next season. That's not to take anything away from Jerry Higgins and Connor O'Toole and Luke Eller, but your leading scorers aren't them. It's Luke Chacon at 21, almost 22 points a game. It's Luke Frazier at 18 points a game. Uh, it's Chase Toppin at 10 points a game, 9 points a game from uh, Henry Rayner. This is a team that is still kind of, quote-unquote, young and developing a little bit and playing this well. Tell us a little bit about that little that 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 kind of um, makeup, as it were, because it's scary when you start looking at it on paper. Well, there, there's a couple components to that. I, I, I think when you, you talk about Conor O'Toole, Jerry Higgins, and Luke Eller, um, those guys, they're instrumental in our success. And it may not be in the stat book, uh, you know, or necessarily minutes played, but they're instrumental in, in, in the growth of, of, of our young guys. Uh, we're extremely ecstatic about our freshman and sophomore class. You know, Jerry Higgins, he's been dealing with the hamstring. He's just starting to come around. He's, he's kind of the heart and soul of our team when it comes to, you know, on the defensive side of the floor. And, and he's just kind of getting back into uh into shape a little bit um and you look at luca eller just one of the uh one of the one of the best post defenders very intelligent Conor tool uh, another extremely solid player for us that has been around so those guys are helping develop uh you know some of these juniors freshmen and sophomores so um he, he, we're excited again we're excited about this group but uh we also understand that hey you know, we want to develop guys, and with the absence of Jerry Higgins the first eight games, we've been able to develop an Aiden Fitzgerald freshman, a Brandon Rose who's a freshman. Those guys are seeing, you know, uh, pretty strong minutes, uh, you know, for us, which is only going to help us long term, and we really like their development and the future of the program. What's also interesting is you've played 18 players at least four games of the seven this season. You've played 15 of them, five. You're going deep into the bench. You're getting these guys' experience as well, which is going to be beneficial. God forbid you have injuries. But more importantly, if you have foul trouble or some other scenario deep in the middle of conference play, these you're getting this this team as much experience as you can. Yeah, we, we want to be more complete than we were last year, right? Uh, you know, and that's depth. You know, as much as Luke Chacon and Luke Frazier – uh, they're, they're my buddies. As much as they want to play 40 minutes a game, it's, it's just not feasible, right? You, you gotta you gotta be cautious of uh, you know uh, just their bodies and, and and you know how many miles they they, they put on those legs. So you want to be cautious of that. You you want to make sure you don't burn guys out. It's a long season, as you know. It's the longest you know season in all all of athletics at the college level. We have these guys for five six months and. Uh, it, it, it's a grind. So being able to rely on some underclassmen uh, and some upperclassmen to, to to suck up some of those minutes has been huge for us. Uh, last season ended kind of oddly up and down. Really strong finish with the last five, losing three. You lost to Baldwin-Wallace near the end of the regular season. Lost to Marietta in the conference tournament. Um, and then you lost to Oswego, who obviously was playing very well in the NCAA tournament. Lost only by five. Some might look at it and go, geez, you know, they kind of stubbed their toe at the end. But really, those were some challenging games. Marietta was just coming on fire at the right time. And you faced an Oswego squad that certainly was playing at the zenith of their season. How do you guys internalize it? And are you using it still towards this year as a motivation or at least a tool 
to say, remember, this is how it finished. We want to improve on that. How do we do that now? How do we do that in January? How do we do that in February? How is that being used? Well, I think there, there, there's two responses to that. Number one is from the, the you know, the, the player perspective, right? I, I think, you know, they have goals. We have goals. They had goals last year, right? And, and to not reach that goal, I, I think, left a sour taste in their mouths. And that was evident through their hard work this summer, um, you know, how well they're taking care of their bodies. Um, but then also uh, on the flip side, so the, the coaching perspective, you know, what are ways that we could, you know, improve? And uh, you, you look at that stretch run and, you know, Marietta was playing very, very solid basketball. I think we were up 20 at halftime and, uh, you know, they, they played exceptionally well in the second half. You know, the Oswego State game, uh, you know, on the road is always a struggle. And both those games, I'll be honest, we didn't shoot the ball well. I think if you combine those two games, uh, you know, how we shot from the perimeter, it was something like two for 40. You're not going to win basketball games in March if you don't shoot the ball well. And, and that's something our guys, I think we're on top of the OEC right now in three-point percent. Um, our guys have really spent a lot of time, uh, you know, Luke Chacon, Luke Fraser, Chase Topping, guys that are so dominant one-on-one type players that can get to the rim – um, you know, they've really spent a lot of time on their printer shots. And, uh, you know, you're starting to see that. You're starting to see Luke Chacon. He's, he's close to 45, uh, 50% from the perimeter. Um, they're, they're all capable shooters. They just felt more comfortable getting the rim. So I think you look at the, the last two games we lost at last year. We didn't shoot the ball well. And that's part of the game. The, the, the best team doesn't always win the championship in March. You know, the, the big division one. It's always the team that's playing the best and you know unfortunately you, you can't have an off night because if you do you know you're you're back home and uh you know you're, you're going on vacation yeah no that's a great point um every once in a while we have the best team all year round win it in march but a lot of the time it's the one who finally figured it out and put it together in sure. february and march pete really appreciate the time would talk to you forever but a you've got a life and and other things to do uh and b we've got guests that i happen to book um but congratulations great to see uh the blue streaks playing so well still i can't believe it's the first time the program's been number one but well deserved uh seven and zero start to the season of the great run ahead of you i can't wait to keep watching and you're right oac play this year is gonna be nuts and i'm looking forward to every minute of it um but you know we can from the sideline pete you you might not enjoy it we will in the meantime we always give the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in like every, like every time, I, th- I think, Dave, thank you, you know, for, for you and, and for all the hard work that you put into D3. It really gives us a platform, um, which is much needed. Uh, also want to throw out there that, hey, we're still looking for another team or two to come to our colleague classic next November 15th and 16th. So if anyone's out there and, and they need a couple of games at the uh, second weekend, uh, we're looking for a team or two to join us. So want to we, throw that out there. We may not have done a good job selling that for you. <laughs> <laughs> you, you might you might need uh you may, we might need to help you out with that because I, I think some teams probably want no we're not we're not playing the blue streaks i got eight juniors no i'm good <laughs> well we're, we're we're five miles from downtown cleveland it's a beautiful city there you go especially in the winter time it's it, it's perfect sun's out no snow you, you sure you're, you're set cleveland ohio that's not how i remember it but go ahead uh tell joe flacco <laughs> we said hello by the way oh yeah yeah we're, we're blessed to have him uh, you're blessed to have someone. <laughs> Pete, you're take right. care you're of yourself. Right. Thanks again. Appreciate your time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Have a good one.
You too. Beat Moran joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Quick note, by the way, if you look over my left shoulder as well, John Carroll uh, jersey hanging up there. Uh, that, of course, was brought put up in the first place to in honor of uh, Chris Wenzel, the former SID at um, John Carroll, who unfortunately died a few years ago. We still remember him as well here on the show. We'll take a break. When we come back, Guilford men's basketball is on the hot seat. Tom Palumbo will talk about his Quakers and in a similar fashion. Quick turnaround right back into the top of the conversation like the Quakers have been of old. We'll talk to Tom about how things are going down in North Carolina. You're listening to Hoops Show presented by D3 Hoops. Back with so much more right after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, be a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. 
I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along on this December the 14th, we should mention some score updates from around Division Three. Uh, we were talking about Hamden-Sydney a moment ago with uh, Pete uh, Moran. Of course, he didn't want to talk about them just yet, but they're playing tonight, and they're taking on um, Swarthmore in a top 25 battle. They lead 31-16 to does Hampton-Sydney. That game is at halftime. Um, Virginia Wesley was in control of Christopher Newport, and then Christopher Newport apparently showed up in a battle of Virginia Beach. It is 30-26 at halftime in that one. Virginia Wesleyan is leading the way. And the game is over. Emory has absolutely throttled Oglethorpe in the second half. 98-78 the finish there. That was a 43-40 halftime. Emory the lead. It was 40-40 until the last second shot at halftime. So Emory outscored the Petrels 58-38 essentially the second half. Absolutely dominating performance there. Speaking of Hamden-Sydney, one of the teams that they have lost to this season, and maybe not a surprise, but maybe it's a surprise. It depends on how you look at it. But Guilford got the victory early on against Hamden-Sydney in what should be an absolutely bonkers ODAC race this year on the men's side. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Guilford Quakers, the longtime head coach of the Guilford Quakers. It is Tom Palumbo. Coach, good to see you. Third-ranked Quakers, we should point out. You've got to be thrilled with how the team has started, and especially being ranked so high, it's given you guys a lot of attention. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, we've gotten off to a good start. Obviously, it's really early. Um, you know, we've had some nice – we had a tough week last week, you know, going to Roanoke, going to Mary Wash on Wednesday, Friday, and then, you know, at Greensboro Sunday night. So – it was a uh, it was a tough week, but we uh, we persevered, found a way to get it done. It wasn't always pretty, but we, we have found a way to get it done in the end. Yeah, you you snuck in a lot of games between December second and December tenth. You played four games: Hamden, Sydney, Roanoke, Mary Washington, and Greensboro. Um, you know, Roanoke's always a tough place to play. Clay Nunley, even when he has an off team, and I'm paid to say that because Clay is a former classmate. I'm supposed to say nice things about Clay. Um, <laughs> so. He's always got a tough team, even when he's having an off year. But you started that thing with Hamden Sydney. Listen, you got to win eighty to seventy one at home, which is you guys have got one of the more difficult places to play as well. I don't think I would have been surprised to see you struggle against Roanoke, twelve point win, sixty five fifty three. If that had been a one point loss, I don't think I would have been surprised because your guys are coming off the high of, of knocking off Hamden Sydney. Kind of what I just asked Pete, how do you keep a team focused even after a huge win like you got against HSC? Yeah, you know, we feel like the the teams we've played this year have all, you know, have all been strong. You know, they, they, they've been really good games. They've been, you know, obviously with Hamden Sydney, it's a, you know, it's a knockdown, drag out, physical battle. Same thing with Roanoke, same thing with Mary Wash, to be honest with you. All, 
all those games were so, so tough and so physical. But, you know, I've got a couple of fifth-year guys, and, and we've got a veteran team that, you know, they're not – you know, they understand the opponent. They're going to respect every opponent. And, and obviously some games with, within the league have a, a higher standard, I guess, if you'll say a league game counts a little bit more than, than a non-league game. But, you know, our non-league schedule has been, been really good, good. And our guys have a, uh, do a great job of just focusing on who we're going to play, regardless of where the game's played or who we're playing, and more focusing on us. We'll back up a little bit further. You're right. The non-league has been tough. You started with Methodist, then North Carolina Wesleyan, who's certainly been a pretty good team over the years. But then you had a barn burner of a game in overtime against Emory. Uh, that game again at your place, 83-80 the win before Thanksgiving. We were just talked about Emory getting a big win over Oglethorpe on the blacktop down there at Oglethorpe. That's a big win too, and that had to build some confidence with this team, despite the fact that you had plenty of confidence coming in from last season and the year before. Yeah, Emory, you know, the, the Emory game was... Uh, you know those guys are really good. They're big. They're physical. They're fast. They've uh, they don't have many weaknesses. We were fortunate. And that game could still be going on. That the kid took a shot at the end and ball went in the basket and came back out. We might still be playing if uh, if he made that one. But that was a uh, yeah. That was an exhausting. Uh, that was an exhausting afternoon. Thursdays are usually really tough for me. Uh, but whatever day that we played that game, that was a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think here uh 18th yeah that would have been around a thursday possibly well i appreciate you i appreciate you coming on on this thursday um listen you get back into conference play with shenandoah coming up in a game that's right before christmas kind of an odd timed game uh in terms of conference play then you'll play southern virginia and william peace uh at home before you jump back into conference play this is that kind of weird time we talked about the beginning of the show you got exam period. You got guys who are distracted with that. Then you head into the holidays. You're trying to sprinkle in some games so you don't overload somewhere else and and still get the guys ready for conference play. So how do you approach this period of time and keeping the guys not only focused on what is certainly important in their academics, also important in their games, but also get some rest for guys who probably been grinding for about two months so far? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we played Sunday night in the Coliseum against Greensboro, which was a it was a fun experience. And then we, you know, we took a couple of days off. We, we were actually off the last two days. We'll get back at it tomorrow. We finished exams on Wednesday, so you know we'll uh, we'll kind of get back into focus tomorrow. Get get things going again. Get our maybe hopefully get our second win from having a couple of days off here in the next couple of days, and and get ready for a you know a ten and zero Shenandoah team who's really good as one of the best players in the league. Um, you know, Nick's done an unbelievable job with those guys this year. They've had some big wins, and, uh, you know, it's going to be another typical ODAC battle. Well, and that's the thing that's made this ODAC so interesting. Shenandoah is playing well. Ferrum seems to be playing well. Of course, Randolph-Macon, by the way, not that far removed from a national championship. They're still a fearsome team. Hamden-Sydney yourself. Virginia Wesleyan looks like they've reemerged, and and a different Virginia Wesleyan too. By the way, it looks like Macedo's gone into a slowdown world, which I don't think existed in in his neck of the woods. Um, Lynchburg can always be tough. We mentioned Shenandoah, Roanoke. This is probably one of the deepest I've seen the ODAC in quite some time. It's always been tough. The bottom teams can always beat the top teams, but I don't remember a middle. That is as deep as it is now. Add in that the top is as good as, good as it is. There's going to be no nights off this season at all in the ODAC. Even if you thought there were no nights off in the past, the past is doesn't seem to compare on paper to what we've got this year. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. If you look at the team's records, uh, you know, our non-league, somebody sent something to me the other day. This was a couple of weeks ago where we were like 39 and 14 as our non-league record, you know, just, you know, it, it's it's been unbelievable. So, yeah, I think top to bottom, you know, it's uh, the, we, the league has gotten off to a great start and then uh, that's going to make for an exciting January and February for sure. How do you pace the guys, though, through that? Because you'll have games that are paced out decently, three, four days in between almost every single game, but and you'll get a week uh, in in between games in February. But how do you pace the guys so that they understand that you need your all for a game against Shenandoah on December 20th, but I'm also going to need your all on February 3rd against Shenandoah, and I don't need you killing yourself somewhere in between while still giving your all. How, how, how does that balance? You know, like I said, we have a veteran group, and once we get into league play, you know, you get into a Wednesday, Saturday kind of a routine where you're, you know, your Monday, Tuesday prep for Wednesday, and then your Thursday, Friday prep for Saturday. You know, you recover on Sunday, and you do it all over again. And, you know, I think our guys do a fantastic job of focusing in, like we kind of talked about who who our next opponent is, and and they don't look at anything else other than that. So, you know, I, again, having two fifth-year guys that, that have been with me for five years and, and Julius Birch and Tyler Dearman and – and some other veteran guys that have that have been around and, and played college basketball and been in our system, uh, you know, it's it's really helped us this year. It's been it's been a lot of fun so far. That's the other inter- interesting dynamic. You bring that up. In reality, you have five seniors or graduate students, four listed as grads, uh, a fifth as a senior, four juniors. You have about six sophomores and four freshmen. Very balanced. You've got you've got those classes kind of well represented with the team, which means. You know, as I prognosticate down the road, sure, you're, you're going to lose five guys, but you've already got a ton who are getting experience now. This team seems to literally be balanced, experienced, and somewhat grounded. Yeah, like I said, it's it's been a, they've been a lot of fun to be around. They are, uh, you know, we, we have fun, but when we get into practice, you know, we're you know, we, we, they don't mess around. We get done what we need to get done. They get their preparation time in. We do we do film together. You know, as a team, we do individual film. They do individual workouts with uh, with my assistants who do a who do a fantastic job, Brian Matthews and Brandon Baker. Hey, I got to throw one thing in there, not to interrupt us. So, you know, Brandon Baker's my assistant coach. You know, he's been this is his first year, but he's been in Division three basketball for ten years. Played at Avert, coached at Avert. I told him a couple of days ago, I was like, "Hey, man, you know, I'm going to be on Hoopsville if you want to tune in." He says, "What's Hoopsville?" Dave, man, you're you're a Division three icon. How would you how do you answer that question when? when a Division Three assistant men's basketball coach says, "What is Hoopsville?" Pretty much sure we've talked about Avert on many occasions too, and had coaches on from Avert. I'm a little disappointed to say the least. And I was too, man. You know, that's 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 disappointing. But did no. you make him run laps? I mean, we're going to have to do something. You know, we Sprints? take those guys when we went. If we win on a Wednesday or Saturday, you know, I take him to the diner to do our uh, recap of the game and everything. I may have to have him skip the next. Uh, if we win another game the next morning, I'm going to have to have him skip the diner. I think. I, I like that. The other one is maybe he has to sprint for every letter in the in the name of Hoopsville. I just That's just not a bad not a bad idea. Either. Maybe maybe or or even that. like free throw midline, free throw full line. Ain't it just something? I don't know. This this is disappointing to hear. Uh, we work hard here, Tom. You know, I didn't mean to take over your show in the room. No, gotta, no, that's important information. Hey, hey, you know, we got to have fun doing this. Do make sure to share his email later so we know how to spam his account um, with information about the show. I will shoot that to you. <laughs> hey, you've got 19 guys on your team. Um, apparently one less assistant than you used to have, uh, or at least one that I'm recognizing. Um, but you've only played 12 so far. You know, we just got done talking to Pete Moran. He's played 18 guys in almost every, you know, four out of seven games. 
You guys haven't gone as deep. Is it? Do you want to get those other players some experience if you need it later? Are you are you good with where you are and those guys understand their role and maybe getting time isn't going to be something that's going to be easy to come by? I think both those things. You know, we're trying to bring them along in practice and the, and the things that we do every day um, in games. You know, we kind of have been a consistent seven seven man rotation for uh, for the majority of the games. Uh, but we are trying to bring some guys along in practice that uh, you know just need to, to to keep getting better and keep pushing each other and and pushing the guys who are playing right now. And we have we have some really good battles in practice to try to get those things done. So you know, we we may be able to expand that as we move along, but you know, right now we're we're comfortable with with where we're at and and hopefully we can expand it a little bit as we as we move into December, later December January. I don't want to bring up tough stuff, but I know Guilford is one of many colleges who have been dealing with the ups and downs of the economy and the financial times and all of that stuff. How has it been on the recruiting trail? You got 19 on your roster. It must be working that guys feel that this is the place to come and play basketball. Are you constantly trying to, you know, put a good spin or reality, whatever you want to call it, on things to make sure that you still have a program that can be competitive despite maybe somebody's article that says otherwise? And this isn't unique with you. I mean, Birmingham Southern is going through absolute hell right now. Yeah, I don't think we have to put a spin on you. Know, we have a, a great president now, and Kyle Farmer. You know, he's he's done a fantastic job, and and I think the college is certainly moving in a, in a, in, a, in the correct direction. Um, you know, a lot of schools like ours are struggling, like you said, but I think we're we're moving towards where we're going to start to thrive, and enrollments up, and you know, I think our 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 athletic program, our basketball program, has a a, a national significance to where. You know, we've always been relevant in a, in a lot of sports, mainly, you know, golf. Obviously, we've, we've won multiple cha- multiple national championships in golf. So, you know, we, we feel like we have a name out there. And, and basketball wise, you know, in men's and women's basketball, we've done you know, we've done really well over the over the course of time over the last several years. And so, you know, we're excited to where we're going. And, you know, I don't think we need to spin it. You know, I think people that come to, to Guilford um, and want to play in our basketball program know that, you know, know that we're what we're all about, the kind of people, the kind of character people we have in our program and you know it's not all about and it's great when you win and and things like that but we try to do more than that within within the scope of what we're doing every day yeah i appreciate that and and we're asking a lot of coaches because it it is an interesting you know environment now out there um odak by the way has gotten bigger speaking of favorite uh odak's gotten bigger that dynamic has changed as well. How much in the last five years have things kind of ebbed and flowed for you from a coaching perspective that you're constantly adapting to? Yeah, the schedule has been different, you know, just the the, the amount of maybe uh, overnights you have in a, in a year, depending upon who you're playing. You know, we have the hybrid schedule where, you know, you don't play everyone twice anymore because, of, you know, because we do have so many teams and, you know, you've uh, – it depends on your, you know, you could have a long trip on a Wednesday and then have an overnight for Friday, Saturday. And, you know, that's uh it, it's, it's, it's a grind. Once you get into that January, February, it's a, it's a grind, you know, and it's, it's tough as a, it's a, tough as a player and an old guy like me too, you know, been, been doing this for, for a long time. It's tough on me, man. I, I need to take those thousand degree showers and uh, can sometimes get to get me to wake me up before I can uh, stay up all night and watch film. By the way, that's another one. I'm going to, I'm going to interrupt you again. So you're sending me an email like three 56 AM, man. I was talking to tower the other day at St. Thomas. And I was like, man, I thought you were the only other guy other than me that I could commiserate with at 3 AM about a good win or a tough loss. Now I'm going to have to start to look you up. You send an email at three (laughs) 56. Yeah. Last night was a little later than normal. 
I would have probably should have come out at 256 instead. Uh, yeah, I'm up a little later than I need to be, to say the least. Uh, and sometimes I'm watching games. Um, yeah, no, you're welcome to text. If I answer, it's because I'm up. Uh, great to bring Tower up, by the way. That's great. That I you- need a little extra boost after another cup of coffee. You know, sometimes it's not yeah. enough. I'm usually trying to stay away from the coffee. <laughs> I hear you, man. Uh, nice to bring Johnny Tower up. I hope he's doing well. We've lost touch uh, with him, but for good yeah, reason. You know, Marquette coming up. He's excited. They're, yeah. they're going to Marquette. He's excited about that one. With guys, basically D3 guys. Um, by the way, quick note, uh, we should point out all that grind of the schedule. You're on the southern end of it. Averett coming in actually helped you to some degree get somebody a little bit closer. Obviously, Hamden Sydney's not too far away. You just got to get over the mountains. Roanoke's not too far away. Again, got to get over the mountains, see if you figure out a theme here in this thing. Hey, um, we got Pat Coleman coming up later in the show. Salem has become synonymous with the championships of, of Division Three in the NCAA. So many great championships. This will be 102 in the overall total in Division Two and Division Three combined coming up on, on Friday evening. But Salem's obviously synonymous with the ODAC as well, as is Greensboro to some degree with um, with swimming championships. You guys, do you feel at some point a little bit spoiled or you take for granted what Salem brings to the, to the uh, situation every year when you guys go there for conference championships or in other sports and everything that they play a role in? Absolutely, man. City of Salem and the ODAC is the best, uh, the best conference tournament in the country, you know, and the way that it's been run. And, you know, we've been able to uh, obviously be there a lot and, and win a couple times and just the way we're treated by everyone there and, and the way the, the event is run. Um, it's second to none. You know, I, I mean, I hate to give Bankston a compliment. You know, I don't really want to do that on you know publicly, but you know, he does a phenomenal job. I'm sure he's working his ass off for the the Stag Bowl this week. I called him earlier today. Of course, he didn't return my call. Uh, said he was too busy, and he'll probably get back to me in a week or so, whatever. But uh, yeah, I mean, Salem does an unbelievable job with the with the Odak men's and women's basketball tournament, and we're uh, we're really excited to to get together every year. It's a it's a it's a huge benefit to us, and I hope no one takes that for granted. Um, you can always share it with JJ or, or Carrie and if you don't want to give it to Brad. Um, <laughs> I understand. Um, I appreciate that perspective. And obviously, you guys have it uh, that championship every year in Salem. I've been down there to it before. That is a grind. Is there anything you would do differently about it? Would you try and break it up a little bit and maybe not have the early round or whatever you need to do to at least throw an extra day in there? Yeah, you know, if it, if it was possible to have a day in between is nice, but you know, at the other at the other part of it, you know, being able to and I don't know which cycle we're on this year, but when you have to to win Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three days in a row against three really good teams, I mean, you know, it, it's a test. It's a test, and you know, the, the the best team comes out of that in that three. And I, and I think there there are are there are weeks or sorry years where it's Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and that makes it a little bit easier. You have that Friday in between and a, and a day to kind of rest and recoup and do a little prep work, but it's tough. You know, ideally, would you like to have a day in between each one? Yeah. I think that would be the the ideal situation, but you know, you kind of get used to it. And I think a lot of, a lot of teams take pride in the fact that, Hey, you know, we can win three games in three days, or we can win three games, four days against some of the best teams in the country. And, you know, you take a lot of self-satisfaction out of that. I know we have in the past when we've been able to, to come out on top. I'm trying to literally look up what the schedule was this year, and, and uh, I don't have it in front. Of, well, hold on. Give me a chance. Yeah. I, I, I looked at the wrong link, so I've got the uh, 24 here. Um, you guys are Thursday, Saturday, Sunday this year, so you just came off the triple of the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Woman Hall Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this time around. 
Hey, Tom, I really appreciate it. Great to chat with you. Love the Quakers. Someday I'm going to get into that gym and actually see a game versus just drive by it like I did a number of times with soccer. Um, but uh, I appreciate the time you give us, and congratulations. Great to see uh, Guilford in the conversation. You and I have both been along, around long enough, maybe a, around as long as your assistant, to remember the Twin Tower threat. Uh, of Sanborn and Strong. Uh, by the way, Brandon Baker, I had Averett's head coach on my show when you were a freshman at Averett. Just <laughs> saying, I, I mean, I recognize you. I, anyway, we'll move on. Um, That's fantastic. Look, we can't we can't close the show without talking about the. Uh, I mean, we always talk about the Lincoln uh, the Lincoln Guilford game at Virginia Wesleyan triple overtime. I, mean, I was trying not, not to, that. but I mean, if you like want to go there, conversation we've ever had in our entire lives, man. That was the most insane game, sir. Uh, to say the least, um, I'm still recovering from that game. Um, the sad part was the top ten battle between Virginia Wesleyan and Mississippi absolutely did not live up to its billing after you guys uh showed lincoln the doors to division three um yeah i mean there have been some there have been some awesome games when you ever retire i'm sure that one's going to be up near the top five if you ever get asked right it definitely will be and i do hope i get to retire one day man (laughs) well i would hope you get to retire too just not anytime soon and at least don't let brandon take over because we'll never get him on the show you won't know what we're talking about yeah, you don't know, know where to find it. Exactly. <laughs> hey, appreciate the time, as always. Uh, as you know, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who might be tuned in? Yeah, we had a lot of fun, man. Thanks for all you do for Division Three basketball and uh, keeping it in, uh, keeping it in the conversation. And uh, it's always fun talking to you. Had a, had a great time tonight, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. you, Tom. I always enjoy chatting with you. Always just trying to figure out where I'm slotting you into the season. I figured I'd get you before Christmas this time. You take care of yourself. Thanks, we'll look forward to talking to you down the road. You too. Take care, buddy. Tom Blumbo joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Terrific chatting with him. Appreciate his time. We'll catch you up on scores in a bit. We'll switch to talk women's basketball, head out to Wisconsin, talk stout women's basketball, then Wartburg women's basketball. Then we'll talk more about Salem with Pat Coleman. That's still ahead on a jam-packed Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3 Hoops. Back with more after this. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. 
I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division three schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Great conversations with Pete Moran and Tom Palumbo from uh, John Carroll and Guilford, respectively. We're going to pivot now and talk women's basketball. But before we do, let's get a couple scoring updates from the men's side of things. Uh, we mentioned earlier that Emory got the dominating win over Oglethorpe after a close game at halftime. Uh, it is into the second half, and it's a quick one so far. 13-22 left to go in the second half. And CNU has taken the lead on Virginia Wesleyan 35-29. That game is moving in the second half. I'm sorry, no, I have that wrong. That is Hampton-Sydney up on Swarthmore, 35-29. That game is moving in the second half. Swarthmore right now is shooting uh, a decent 37%, and and Hampton-Sydney is shooting 39%, so no noticeable difference there. But it is just going Hampton-Sydney's way, though that game's getting a little bit closer. Swarthmore is on a 13-4 run in the second half to draw within six as they trailed by 15 at halftime. Virginia Wesleyan, Christopher Newport, that's got about five minutes into the second half, and that is a tight one. Virginia Wesleyan leads by two so far in that one. Now we'll pivot to women's basketball. Stout is having a tremendous season, building off of what they did last campaign. They finished last season, you might remember, 18-8, and had a strong finish, got uh, regular season co-champions of the WIAC before their season, unfortunately, fell short, losing in in their first game in the WIAC tournament, uh, interesting enough, to Eau Claire, who they had beaten in the last game of the regular season to get that regular season split crown. 
Hannah Iverson's squad is off to an 8-1 start this season with a 76-58 loss to Gustavus Adolphus being the only blemish on the record. And they've got a heck of a group of games ahead of them in non-conference play before they jump into a very difficult WIAC race. Earlier today, got a chance to talk to Hannah Iverson here on the show and get her take on how everything's going. It's now in the Hoopsville Hotline. It's Hannah Iverson, the head coach of Wisconsin Stout. First and foremost, coach, welcome to the show. Don't think we've ever had you guys on. And second, what a heck of a start to the season. You're now ranked in the top 25, just one loss on the year. Building off of what you guys had last year, I, I know you've got to be thrilled. I say that all the time. But you really do probably are pretty thrilled at what what's going on right now. Yeah, so far so good. You know, it's just so early. I think that's one of the hardest things about a season is it gets long and you got to sustain excellence for a long time in um, the world of college athletics to be good when it comes to be good. And right now we're pleased. We're very pleased. We got one loss to an amazing team. I mean, Gustavus came out and they stuck it to us. They were the better team that night and they deserved that one. And now we've been able to kind of just figure out a little bit more about who we are, what we look like, what we want to be about this year. And I think that's been good, just focusing on us and being really firm and kind of what we're bringing and and what that looks like and feels like for us. And yeah, once we roll into conference, it gets, it gets real, really fast. And so that's, we're taking one game at a time, one day at a time and um, working towards our conference play, which is a beast in itself. Well, and you're on a conference is, you know, you hinted already at the, at the one loss being a really good team, but even the rest of it has been pretty solid and what's coming up solid. You're right. We'll talk about the conference in a bit. That's another conversation as we yeah. had with Carrie Carollo just uh, a few weeks ago but starting off i mean you, you played puget sound by the way at at eau claire so a little hint you got to watch eau claire a little bit there uh because davis adolphus as you point out a really good team in the top 25 uh an 18 point loss but superior maybe not the program they used to be but still i know that's a feather in the cap to some degree and ahead of you you've still got trying there's little pieces here and there that that are certainly giving you all the tests you need in this out of conference schedule they are. I mean, you know, we like our schedule in terms of our rank or our SOS and things like that, and what's it, what it's preparing us for. And and honestly, I think the non conference does that. It prepares you for your next opponent, but it also prepares you for your biggest opponent, which is yourself. And I think we're able to learn a lot about who we are and kind of find some roles and fine tune some things. We are a veteran team, and we're excited about that piece. We haven't been that really for a long time, or for my time here at Stout, and so that's a nice way to roll into just to have shorter teaching periods, less install, be able to roll a little quicker with some bigger things and be able to put things in at a higher level that we're excited for here and getting able to see some of that. And, and you need some of that stuff, honestly, once you're, once you, like we said, like I said, when you want to be good, when it's, when it matters and we're playing for the end of the year and those things matter now. Um, And that piece is really important. We've, we've had some situations here where we feel like, you know, maybe we should have gotten a look that we didn't get, and so we we see value in every single game on our schedule. So whether it's a ranked team or an unranked team, we we see the value. We have felt the hurt of not having one more win, of not having a few more points, of not having something to open people's eyes and um, you know kind of remember our name and and keep us in mind for those type of things. So that's been kind of a focus of us for us too. Is we're not just showing up for conference. We need to punch our ticket every step of the way and and do the job in front of you and, and handle the thing. And so sometimes that's practice. Sometimes that's games. Sometimes that's film recessions. And we need to win all of those in order to be good when we want to be good. 
Oh, it's interesting how I hear that from Kerry Carollo and some others about understanding the bigger picture. It's not just about that conference race, that this game against Gustavus Adolphus or even Northwestern, we should have pointed out the win over Northwestern as well. Yeah. Those games have meaning. Those games have impact. And I guess it goes back to last year, Coach. Great finish to the season, uh, regular season, in the sense that you fight and get a share of the regular season title in a dogfight of a conference race. But then, yeah. unfortunately, you face Eau Claire to get the win to get that regular season co-share, and then you face Eau Claire in the conference tournament, and they return the favor on you by a point, and that derails everything. Any hopes of an NCAA, any hopes of a conference tournament title, all dashed. Is that kind of still drive? and I assume it is, but is that part of the drive this season? Yeah, you don't forget something like that, and and that's the beautiful part of sports. You don't. Honestly, the hurt lasts longer than the happy. It really does. And you wish it was the other way around, but a lot of times that's the truth. So sitting and watching that selection show with our girls, that hurt. And and that was the thing we we felt like we could have done a big, we could have made some noise there. And, and, and in some capacities felt like we maybe deserved it. And that piece of it definitely sits in the back of your mind. And it definitely motivates you on some of those days when you're like, is this one that big a deal? Is this practice that big a deal? Yeah. It is. Buckle up. Here we go. And I think our team has has a little bit of that chip on their shoulder, has a little bit of that hunger always. That's kind of a stout kid for us, is that little bit gritty, a lot of bit competitive, you know, ready to go um, at any moment, willing to outwork people. That's kind of the build of our kid. And and something like that really, you know, sparks that fire in us. And I think that is a piece. And, and now it's, what are you going to do about it? It's no one else's job but ours. And we handed over the opportunity for someone else to make that decision. And so that hurt is on us. That's not on anybody else. That's on our job not getting done on our end. Um, you know, and then that's big. And I think that does drive you. It reminds you what's important, when it's important. A- and once you do something, you understand what it takes. And so in order to win games in our league, We've done it now. We know kind of what it takes. And so it's remembering what those things take and what that all entails and and being able to do that when everything's on the line, like a game in the conference tournament to go punch your ticket or a game that's just a game in January, you know, and, and the ability to do that. That's what great teams do. That's what teams, like you said, like you said, like Whitewater have done for a long time. It's those type of things that we have to get really consistent with and really find something. But I, I think you're exactly right. That definitely left a message or left an imprint into us. And um, it's in, every, in the back of everyone's head. We don't talk about it. It's not a thing we bring up a ton, not a thing we have to highlight a lot. It's a thing that we see on our girls' faces. We see how they walk into gyms. We see how they walk into film. We see how prepared they are. Um, and we were all competitors once. So we know what it felt like for them too. Yeah, you play that card yeah. when you might need it. You don't constantly play it where it, becomes, yeah. it loses its its impact. By the way, you speaking of selection, uh, Monday was tough. Sorry if the studio backdrop gives you a little PTSD. Um, yeah, yeah. It's still too soon. Still yeah, too soon. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, part of that motivation also helps. You got five seniors on this squad. Uh, another four, right? Yeah, four juniors yeah. that certainly have memory of that. And then to help with that impact, you've got a host of freshmen. Not to skip the sophomores, we got a host of freshmen there who are now mm-hmm. learning that from these upperclassmen. So it's not like you've got a bunch of upperclassmen with no underclass that they're going to get it this year, but maybe you got to have to teach us all over again. You're you're building this into the bedrock of the program. For sure. And I think, too, a big part of having that upperclassmen leadership, and, it, and it's not necessarily upperclassmen, it's once you get that buy-in from kids and once you have people who have two feet into this culture, into this program, into these players, into these coaches, 
you can really start getting things out of people. And the more people you get that doing that, the stronger your culture can be. And that usually translates on the basketball court. And for us, I think that's what's kind of happened here over this progression as, you know, the three of us on staff have taken over this program and just been able to do something really special. And I think it's been in huge credit to our players who have bought in and bought in early and committed to kind of how we were doing it and what we were asking for and being able to do that. But our, our upperclassmen leadership is huge and it is something that does a big deal for us in production in terms of on a stat sheet and winning games that way. But it's also, like you said, setting the tone for what a practice looks like, what those things look like, feel like how we carry ourselves. I mean, being well-respected in our community is a big deal for us and our, uh, our program and our culture build that and the people who have came before us and the people who were here long before I took over, they started that. And it's a thing that we have to kind of put a lot of stock in and kind of carry those things out. This program was really good. This program was really good when I was young. Honestly, I was a fan. I was in the stands. I was at the games. I stood shoulder to shoulder with Eau Claire fans cheering for the Blue Devils. And that's that's important to me that we continue that tradition and that we make that something that people are excited about for a long, long time. And these girls have done a phenomenal job of um, kind of relighting that flame a little bit. Not to date you or me, but the last 21 season was back in 06, 07 when they were 23 and 6, 13 and 3 in conference play. A little bit different time then, certainly. But the 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 point is the same, and the conference has remained t- tough. We'll talk about the conference a little bit more in a minute. I want to talk about the, the team specifically since we're talking about them. Numbers might be a little deceiving right now with games like against Northland and such where you now have an average uh, point spread of about 30 points per game. But you do have five players – I'm sorry, four players in double figures in terms of scoring. So it tells you you're at least distributing – the ball and they're not averaging tons of minutes. Um, I think no one's averaging more than 25 minutes a game right now. But Reagan Sorensen, Sydney Brennan, Amanda uh, Geisen, um, and Anna Much, those are those four. Tell me a little bit about what they're bringing to the table, and then who we aren't talking about, who is you know not in the double figures. That's kind of stirring the pot as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you point out just the minutes. I think that's one thing that a lot of times gets overlooked. You know, that's that's one thing that I know coaches like Brad Fisher have made big points about in terms of when you have a roster that you can play more kids than five kids, six kids. Sometimes those statistics gets really skewed. You know, we've got we have. Yeah, we've been thankful enough to not have to play these kids a ton of minutes and they're still doing the things that they're doing statistically. It's a it's I, I, I just think that's a point to be made about everything as you move forward in a season. Um, and I think some rosters get really slighted because of how minutes get spread out. Um, I, I honestly plug for Oshkosh because I think they're one of them that they get a ton of that. And and I think we get some of that as well. We When you try to save a kid and you're not out, putting them out there, are you hurting their chances at becoming an All-American? I mean, that's an honest, are you hurting their chances of becoming player of the year? Those are real things. And I think it's just really important for people to kind of just take into account that those minutes played are a big deal. It's what are those kids doing when they're on the floor? What does it look like when they're off the floor? And for us, those those kids are a big deal when they're on the floor. Um, and we have had the privilege of pulling them off a lot here and getting some of our younger kids some experience and being able to get them um, on the floor, seeing the pace of the game, seeing some some action early and getting those guys ready. So when their number's called, they're ready to go. Um, but yeah, in terms of those three, Reagan is 
been outstanding. Reagan is athletic. She's explosive. She can score at all three levels. She is a tough guard. Um, she really has embraced her role in terms of just being whatever we need her to be that night because she can also be a defensive nightmare. Um, and so her ability to lock a kid down, her ability to grab rebounds, her ability to do the scoring, I mean, she can be asked to do it all in any given moment. But the beautiful thing about our team is she's not the only threat. You know, so some nights when she's struggling or they're throwing two or three at her as soon as ball goes on the floor, you know, we got kids like Amanda and Anna who can relieve some of that work in terms of ball on the floor. We love the ball going to the paint. Everybody knows that about us. And so our ability to get a defense to open up a little bit, even though every every coach has told them to plug every gap and pack the paint and do all those things. When you got three kids with that skill set, it's it's hard to do. And and now I think that's a little bit what you're seeing with us is our ability to move the ball and get these kids some really good opportunities at that. Um, we're hoping to take another level with that here this year. And you add Sydney, who's who can shoot the ball at a high, high rate. Um, it's a quick shot and she can do it with range. And, and that opens up some of those gaps. So now when teams want to sit and pack the paint and pack the gaps and do things like that, you still got to guard a kid like Sydney who can hit eight threes in a game. Um, and those are big. That's a big deal. We've got some great kids off the bench too, who, like you said, are, are kids that you kind of like when nobody's looking at them because it's like, all right, you don't even need to know what they can do, but they've got, they've got a lot of skill set and some things that can really open people up. We've got a concept on our team just about give up good for great, you know, and we have to be willing to do that. And that's what one of the things we do really well is cut really hard. When you cut really hard. It doesn't matter what your defense is told to do. You're going to pack, you're going to slam to the rim. You know, we put a ton of pressure on the rim with our cuts, with our ability to shoot the basketball like we have here starting out. That's new for us and our ability to attack the paint, which is kind of who we've been for the last few years. But those guys are big. I think Rosella Willie for us has been a nice addition in terms of being able to get her on the floor and play some really sound minutes for us. Um, we've got a, a, a handful of other kids that we're excited in terms of how they're fitting into our rotation defensively and offensively and kind of the advantages that they give us too. But I think those four for us carry a ton of the weight, but they also set the tone. And when you got kids like that, that are going to be your hardest workers, that are going to be the kids that are teaching you like where you're going. And I think that's been kind of what we're looking at this year. He talking about the size. You've got seven players, 5'10 or larger, at least listed on the website. Um, and not many short ones behind that. Everyone's within a few inches of that. You've definitely got the size. You certainly have the depth. It's really fascinating to see, and, and that's kind of the evolution. But you are walking yourselves into probably one of the toughest I've seen the WIAC, and it's always been tough, but I think it, we're not that many years removed from maybe it being a little top-heavy. You're going right. into a tough conference this season. Whitewater, Oshkosh, who I think is flying a little under the radar right now, to be completely honest. Yourselves. Um, I don't think Oshkosh ever flies under the radar. for No, no, that's – yeah, no, I'm saying that a little bit facetiously because yeah. I think Oshkosh, everyone's you know kind of assumes they're going to be there, but everyone else is stealing the headlines right now. Whitewater and, and even Stevens points off to a 7-0 start. You got River Falls into the mix there. Platteville's seemingly playing well right now. Eau Claire and Lacrosse are four and four. It's not like they're having really horrible seasons at this juncture either. This has always been a tough conference. It feels like it's going to be ratcheted up so much more, meaning every game is going to be maybe more important than it was even last season. Yeah, and and I think 
same story, different year. It just always feels like that. And and I'm, and I'm, maybe I should say always for the years that I've been here, it has literally felt like it doesn't matter what that standings says. You walk into a game and you're like, get ready. It is going to be a grind. And I think that's what's so fun for competitors to be able to play in a league like this, for high quality talent to be able to play in a league like this. It's really fun. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, there's nothing can be overlooked. I think another one of the things that helps us in terms of coming against teams, like you said, where every night you're going to prepare a very, or you're going to go against a very well-prepared team, a very well-coached team, a team that is very talented and skilled um, is also for us being able to have a point guard like Sam Schaefer, who's been really sound for us. She's making some phenomenal decisions. I mean, her assist turnover ratio is really, really good. She's been able to facilitate us and kind of keep us level-headed, fix us when we need to. And I think that's a big piece of going into this too. Playmakers are a big deal, but point guards are a big deal too. Um, they can kind of get you going, slow you down, light the fire if you need to, those type of things. She does a good job with that. Lauren, Lauren Arns does a really good job for that for us too. Just being able to um, be ahead out there and and kind of take control. Those are big pieces for us too. Like when you're like when you're saying entering games that are, it's anybody's battle any night and it's really important to kind of have all your ducks in a row and a lot of times that's going to be your point guard getting those guys situated nope you're here nope calm down nope let's go and i think they do a really good job of that too we, we talked a lot about how the men's side has been a bit of a dog fight over the last few years it feels like the women again been a little, maybe a little on the top heavy side now feels like it's into that same conversation which is going to yeah. make double headers in the WIAC this season absolutely bonkers and and much watch around division three uh quickly before i let you go i want to ask you about yourself a little bit you you mentioned you know went to stout games you're from eau claire uh which is what 30 minutes down the road yeah um so you understand this world but you played in division one and had Mm -hmm. a lot of your assistant coaching experience at that level you've kind of got an interesting um kind of combination there because when you come down to division three and coach at this level you already knew it it's not like you're coming from the rarefied air of division one and trying to understand what d3 is all about what's what's that you know kind of combo been like for you and what is what your sixth season now coaching yeah you know i think the biggest thing i learned is basketball is basketball and i think I think a lot of people make a huge deal about this level. And I think the thing that's different is is a lot of the uh, bells and whistles of it and all of those things. But I think what's so true is basketball at its core in terms of great programs have great people, they have great culture, and they have high standards that get held for a long, long time. Like that I will believe to my core. And I was lucky enough to play at a program like that. And that was Green Bay for me. Green Bay, we had a ton of, ton of success, hung banners, punched the, our ticket four times while I was there, went to a Sweet 16, played against Brittany Griner in the Sweet 16. Like we did some really, really cool things. And the reason it was cool is the same reason why I want my players to leave my program and feel like it was cool. It was awesome because of the culture we had in place, the people we were surrounded by, the standards that people held us to, and the things that people asked and we gave. We gave a ton more than we took and it just builds you into a different type of person. So now I approach everything in my life a different way because of who I was built by Green Bay. And that's kind of what we're looking for here. And I think for me coming from D1 to D3, yeah, there's some really obvious differences and everybody knows those ones. But I think at its core, it's really cool. I mean, these kids play for the same reason the D1 kids play. I don't like when people say they play for the love of the game and they don't at the Division One level. You still love it at the D1 level. There's just some things that are different. 
um, and perks that I wish D3 kids could have and experience um, to, to the extent of that some of these kids aren't these days. But I think it's been really fun. I think for me, it was it was eye-opening for a moment in just terms of you got to get reacquainted with for the recruiting piece. Honestly, that was like identifying who's not only a division three player, but a, a WIAC player. Cause those are different. Um, and who, and for me, just figuring out what a makeup of a stout kid was. Um, and you, you'd be a part of a lot of programs and then kind of deciding what you want your program to be about. Those are big decisions. Um, and so that's been a learning curve. I'm still learning. I think, I hope I'm learning until the day I'm done coaching. Um, but yeah, it's been a ton of fun. The thing that I love being around because of the relationships, because of the commitment, because of the things that are required in sport that sometimes aren't required in other parts of the world anymore, in other walks of life. Um, and I think it's just a really special opportunity, something that's not for everybody. But once you do it, you'll remember it for the rest of your life. Oh, so well said. I love that perspective and I appreciate it. Um, I'd love to talk to you more. I'm sure we'll get you back on the show. We didn't even touch the fact, folks, that she's coaching as a mom of four. <laughs> true someday true. we'll discuss Bless my husband let's say that <laughs> hey hey you as a husband yeah. come on yeah i'm not letting you slide on that no no <laughs> <laughs> ryan i got your back um yeah, listen well i'm sure we'll broach that topic another time because i'd love to get that perspective but we only have so much time tonight and i appreciate the time you've given us so far uh, great insight on this stout program congratulations on what you have done and gotten it to where it is i cannot wait to watch this wyack fight um and and see how it turns out this year um and i hope i hope selection monday turns out a little bit better for you guys in the meantime we always give the coach the final word any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who might be tuned in no i just appreciate you guys having us i think what women's basketball the noise that women's basketball is making is amazing and i think just a quick playoff what you're speaking on in terms of me being a mother of four, I think that's one of the greatest things too about being a college coach and standing in front of 17 young women every day saying you can go do what you love with whatever family dynamic you have and find the support, find the people who are going to do it and you know your dreams can be acquired. And I think that's just a really cool thing that I get to show my girls every single day. I mean, I coached for an entire year with a child in a carrier on my chest, had her in the middle of December, just like every coach plans. That's how we plan it. And, and it was phenomenal. And I think it's just really eye-opening for young women like that. And I think it's a thing that we get to be a part of in a really special part of their life. But Noah, thanks for having us. I think we're excited about the WIAC fight, just like you are. And um, I hope everybody keeps in tune to it. It's, it's, it's a fun race. Uh, so well said, by the way. You're already booked for another segment. We'll talk about it in depth. Um, <laughs> but no, so well said. Great role model to show that anything's possible. I love it um, and, and needed, to be honest. But hey, Coach, thanks so much. Take care. Enjoy the rest of the season. Good luck with the game on trying coming up. And We didn't want to yeah. overlook it, but I know it's a priority. And in the meantime, we'll uh, enjoy the holidays and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hannah Iverson here, joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, thanks to Coach. Great conversation with her. Uh, we will have to talk about the uh, misunderstanding there of four kids and, and also counting her husband. Uh, Ryan, let's call. Call me. We'll talk. We'll talk. No, but seriously, what a great role model, too, showing you can do all this with four kids as well. Um, and I just hats off. 
Hats off. Great conversation. I have a feeling we'll be talking to a lot of WIAC people this season. It's no knock to anybody else. There's just so many good teams there and great coaches to chat with as well. Again, they've got Trine coming up here in two days against uh, on the road, that is, against Trine. Then they'll take the holidays off. They'll play Augsburg on the 30th, and they get back into conference play. When we come back, we'll talk Wartburg women's basketball. Bob Amesbury joins me on the show. You listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To to stop stop sexual sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. For the Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. We are live, though we're talking to some pre-recorded coaches. If you got questions for us, you can always email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. The information also on the bottom of your screen for social media, whether it's X slash Twitter, Instagram, Threads, Facebook, or YouTube. Of course, we're live simulcasting on Facebook and YouTube. Not as much interaction there, but I know that certainly ramps up 
uh, as we get more into January. But I hope you're enjoying the show no matter how you're enjoying it. Though podcasts, I know, are a hang-up. We're, we're trying to get those turned around. We, we run into some technical issues with the files. We're trying to get it turned around. Once we get into a flow with that, they'll be rolling out. We've gotten some complaints, and I am genuinely apolog- uh, sorry for that. Uh, we are working on it. All right, so let's talk. Uh, continue our talk about women's basketball. And one of the teams that has been rather consistent over the years has been the Wartburg women's basketball team. They have Bob Amesbury's team has been nothing short of spectacular most years. Um, it's fascinating, really. And we talked a little bit earlier today about where that all kind of came from, where that broke through, what started that. And it's interesting because it was a moment that I remember vividly while I was sitting watching games in Las Vegas. Warburg's off to a 9-0 start this season, a win over Simpson just about five days ago, getting ready for a couple of big games, really four of them, coming up before they get back into conference play themselves. We talked to Bob Amesbury earlier today about it all. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Warburg women. It is Bob Amesbury, coach. As always, thank you for joining us. Really appreciate the time. It's hidden behind the graphic right now, but I'm spying a pretty neat shirt on you, sir. The, the tip of the hat for you. I appreciate it. You bet. We, uh, as soon as these came out, I ordered them for our staff. So my assistant was asking if he got an, an updated version of this shirt coming because we want another one. See, now you're putting pressure on me to do <laughs> something I hadn't been thinking about yet. I'm literally mid-recording mid here, removing your graphics so that everybody can see the nice Hoopsville setting basketball sun uh, on your chest. Uh, very nice, sir. Yeah. Much appreciated. Now now i got to go figure out how I'm going to do that all again. So uh, I guess we know where some of our buyers are coming from. <laughs> yeah. Big fan. Big fan. I appreciate it. Um Let's talk, because I'm a big fan of the team, let's talk about the team. Um, certainly having a good season, it's become synonymous. It's almost kind of the point, I'll be honest, Bob. It, I sit there going, well, I can talk to Warburg in January. I can talk to Warburg in February. They're always going to be good. But as I said to you off air, I'm trying to pivot a little bit and talk to teams when we don't normally talk to them. You guys have built a program that for the longest time is just going to be always in the conversation, whether it's at the top of the conference race or nationally or whatever. Last time you didn't have a 500 season or or didn't have a winning season was back in 2014. You, This program has almost built itself to always be in the conversation. I know that's not easy to get there. I'm assuming it's still not easy to keep it there, though. It's not. Um, it's exactly where we want to be year in and year out. And, you know, we talk every year about just maintaining the standard of what we've become. And that's, that's very difficult. Um, But honestly, it really started with building a, a positive culture and that team that, you know, we kind of turned it in 2015, 16, when, we got beat in our conference tournament in the first round. We had had a couple of huge wins. Um, I had a bunch of sophomores and two seniors, and we got an at-large and made a run to the Final Four. And that was the first time that I had had a Warburg team into the tournament. Um, you know, that December, I remember we played our, our holiday tournament. We had three top ten teams come in. We beat Whitewater. We beat uh, – no, we beat – who did we beat? We beat Oshkosh and we beat 
Wheaton, I think, and two top 10 wins in that tournament. Um, and all of a sudden our kids thought, well, gosh, we haven't been that far away. Right. And we were able to get those wins and give us some confidence. Um, and we made that amazing run. And ever since then, I think it's just, we believe that we can now do that. And that team did it. Um, and made just the Cinderella run to the final four coming in unranked. Um, lucky. I think that we even got in to the tournament that year. And um, ever since then, that's been our expectation that we want to be in that conversation. And those guys set a bar that um, we try to aspire to every day. So it's, it's um, exactly where we want to be. We want to play with a little bit of pressure and, um, this next group's continuing to do that. I think that was a season we were sitting out in Las Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic, and we're watching the results coming in from your event, and we're all looking at each other going, what in the world <laughs> is going on? Ironically, you guys got into conference play shortly after that, lost five out of six games, which is yeah. kind of the story of how you were unranked into that tournament and how you guys turned it around because you even lost in the conference tournament to Co before getting in. But, you know, you talk about, you know, the right criteria and the, and the right resume. You guys were kind of the prototypical. Here's what you do, even if you have a bad stretch. Now, yeah, we, I mean, that, that, that January, that January, I think we lost five out of six. And um, it just kind of turned. We, we started, our culture wasn't great. And I remember canceling practice one day and we sat in a room in a, on a table that was a big circle and we just stared at each other and um, kind of had a come to Jesus meeting and, and, reaffirmed each other and what our roles were. And then we went on a huge run to end the year and unfortunately got upset in that conference tournament. Um, but then fortunately got in and made our run. What, what's interesting and fun about that story is we had um, the summer twins were softball players. And you'll probably recall this as I tell it, they went to Florida after we got beat with the softball team and then the pairings came out on Monday and I'm on the phone with their mom trying to get them a flight back. And so they came back and we actually pulled, I think Katie was on base when uh, they on second base and uh, we pulled them out of that softball game and got them on a plane. And um, the other neat thing about it is our post player, Katie, Cla Kaylee Cladivo, on Saturday, um, joined the track team. She was a high jumper and qualified for nationals in, in the conference track meet, indoor track meet. And we had to pull her from track. Um, we just, you know, I, we had a second life and those kids believed they could win. And by gosh, we did. I won't bore anybody with my fear where that happened to women's basketball at my alma mater, where all of a sudden we were all sitting there going, Oh, Wait, they're in the NCAs and we're hosting? Yeah, I, I, it, it changes the mentality moving forward for yeah. sure. I didn't know about the second base part. Um, oh, yeah. I knew See, about the I think Katie. I think Katie had a hit and a run scored in that game and accident hey, maybe. Uh, like Katie, we're pulling you from the game. But, Coach, I'm playing so well. Yeah, you've got to go back for some basketball. <laughs>
Oh, man. That is awesome. Well, I mean, but then fast forward to last season. Interesting enough, you, you lost to Tufts in the Final Four uh, that year. Um, you then yeah. fast forward to this past season. You were at Tufts when the season concluded. Christopher Newport got you. You lost just by nine, really, to a team that ended up being the national runner-up. But it was kind of a, 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 a rough finish to the season. You guys went three and three in your last six Granted, as I said off air, the last loss is a little unfair, as everybody but one has a loss in the end of their run. But it it feels like maybe that's driving this ship a little bit. You guys didn't finish as strong as you'd hoped, kind of like that five out of six run all those years back. And and now you're are you guys trying to not make up for it, but at least try and learn from it. You know that three and three, two of those losses were to Loris who was really, really good, especially late in the year. They they were playing as well as anybody, I think, at that point. Um, and then, obviously, the last game we lost at you know against CNU was a game that I felt like we did not play very well. And, um, you know, credit – a little bit to their defense and how they play and they press you and they get you hurried up. And I felt like, you know, in the game before that we played hope and we didn't allow hope to hurry us. And we played the pace that we wanted to play and we did it so well. And then, you know, a week later against CNU, we got hurried a little bit, still got some, some of the shots we wanted, um, so that more than anything was the bad taste in our mouth. Um, you know, just getting hurried in that game. And we felt like that was a team we should have beaten. Um, and they were great, but you know, they were not the team that they were all season with a couple injuries. And, um, you know, I thought we really kind of gave a, away a chance to get to another one, another final four. So, um, you know, and the other thing is we return everybody from last year. So we have expectations. It, it's not about um, how we ended three and three last year. It's more about who we are and who we want to be and what our expectations are. And um, this group, to their credit, you know, they're the seniors, other than Macy, Macy's a fifth year, but the seniors came in COVID year as freshmen and that as you know that was not a fun year and we tried everything to make it a really good experience um but it still was what it was you know there was tension all the time because you didn't know you know are we going to be practicing today are we going to get shut down um would come to practice and then would never see our players in between. And so, you know, building the team and the chemistry was, it wasn't there. It was impossible to really get to know each other. And, you know, so that was the start that, that our senior group had as freshmen. And then um, I, I take it as kind of a year lost. Um, even though we played a bunch of games, I think we played 16 games and, and did that, but it was just, you couldn't really build your team. And so then they come in as sophomores and you kind of have to start over with building culture and, 
even getting to know them, like I think our coaching staff really didn't know that group of players very well. And so their sophomore year, it was starting from scratch in a way, getting to know them, building trust. Um, And that team ended up uh, in the first round and we got beat by a really good Millican team. But that drove them to, hey, we we were in, we were there, we got a taste of it into last year as juniors. Um, and now we have that expectation back. But for me, what's been most rewarding is getting to know those kids. Like they are, you know, just being able to know them, trust them, they trust me. And that was honestly, it wasn't there when they were freshmen because we couldn't spend time together. And then as sophomores, you know, that it was still, still not there, right. Until you really go through things together. And so I think just building through COVID after COVID getting in, you know, getting our feet wet in the NCAA tournament, then making a nice run last year has put this team in a position to be great. Well, your great is at 9-0 and right now. Start the season with wins over North Park and North Central. Those games played in Wisconsin. You've already got a win over Eau Claire in non-conference play. Conference action obviously is already up and running. You've gotten wins over Luther, Loris, Central, and Simpson. So you're off to a good start there. The rest of the conference co-already has two losses on the season. It's going to be interesting in the, in the next four, and we'll get to that in a bit. But since conference play has already started, well, how's your barometer on on what is the ARC right now? Yeah, um, I think it's very good. Top top of it's very good. Um, honestly, I feel really fortunate to be four and zero and in league right now. Um, you know, we're nine and zero, but it's been hard. We had Macy Harris as a starter, and you know, I think before our first game, she practiced five times, maybe. Sarah Faber, starter, um, before our first game, I think she had two or three full practices. Um, She was out with a foot injury. So, you know, us starting out, we weren't, we weren't full go. And, you know, they were, they were able to play in our first games, but when you don't practice for a month and then we throw you out there, it's going to take a while to get in sync. So, you know, to win those first two, um, them being just kind of <laughs> kind of joining us and um, really not in a great flow yet, I think was huge. And then um, I don't even know a week or ten days later, we play our first conference game with with a very improved Luther team. Um, and then you know you throw in this run our football team made on three Saturdays. We're hosting football and. Our kids are close to that team and um, we're changing game times every Saturday to to kind of make that work. And we had people here that put in a lot of work to host. A, well, we hosted soccer too, men's soccer in the first round. And so we hosted men's soccer, hosted football and still have to play basketball games. Um, and, you know, th- that's distraction. Our kids are watching the games and then getting ready for ours and and to just stay focused enough to get through those successfully was I, I'm really proud of. You've got seven seniors and or fifth years 
on this team a whole host of so- of not to skip the sophomore class but you at least have a host of freshmen who are learning from them but let me talk about these players you got three and double figures starting with Jaden Murphy at uh, 15 and a half a game Sarah Faber is at 12 and a half 11 plus for Macy Harris obviously they're the ones who get the the notification you know the notice because they're getting all the points so far but tell us a little bit about how the dynamics are working from an individual player perspective yeah you know I think teams that know us know that we don't really have a star. We don't have a kid that can just go get baskets. Um, we rely so much on each other. And, you know, the other the other kind of thing that we went through this year is we lost Maggie Wilkins in our second game to an ACL injury. And um, Maggie was a, a key, key player for us. And she was one that you could get her the ball and she could find a way to score. Um, but really over the last several years and uh, our success, we haven't had a, a kid that we just go to. We feed off each other and play together and create for each other. And um, that's the way we play. So we've got several kids that could go off for 20, um, but they can't do it on their own. We're not individually. We're not good enough. And um we take pride in that, that we really make each other better and it's how we fit together that makes us great. So just working through that, like offensively, um, we're not there yet. We're not even close to how good we can be. And, you know, I think early on our defense has carried us. And I think as we continue to grow together and play together and figure out how to play together and, play to each other's strengths, I think that offense is going to come. But I like where we are, uh, obviously, 9-0. and And we're, in, in my opinion, far from how good we can be this year. Um, so we're in a good spot. We've, we want to continue to grow and get better. And uh, now we're in finals week and trying to work in some short optional practices <laughs> when we can and continue to get better so that's our that's our goal heading into break here uh ahead of you after exam period you're going to bracket the holidays like you sometimes do with a couple of tournaments and it's got some doozies in there in terms of opponents first one you're heading to nashville and not for the music you'll take on uh top 25 ranked whitman and then while not ranked you're still taking on chris huffman and her depaw squad in those two games then after that you've got your own event which we'll see Crown on one side of it, and then, oh, I don't know, maybe some good teams in River Falls and Wash U sitting on the other. You've always never shied away, as we talked about in that 2016 season, from taking on the tough opponents, and you guys have a gauntlet here ahead of you to celebrate the holidays. As planned. Um, and honestly, the 25-16 or 20. 20- 15, 16 year when we put that tournament together with those ranked teams, I was trying to get out of it. Like it was three top 10 teams and yeah. unknown. Hey, unknown your fault, Wartburg. sir. So I was actually looking for a fourth team to take our place. And um, somehow we, we won those games. And I think that was a, honestly a learning experience for me. And it, it kind of changed the way I thought about building our program that if you want to know how good you can be, you play really good teams. And ever since then, I've tried to schedule the best and 
we're excited of challenges in Nashville. Um, Whitman and, and DePauw are two storied programs with legendary coaches, great, great coaches. We are going to be challenged, and that's exactly what we need. No, it will definitely be a challenge. And then obviously the one at home will be a challenge. And then you pivot right back in a conference play. You'll start off with Dubuque. Again, you're not shying away from anyone. You're building that resume too. Should, you know, it be a bit of a challenge in conference that maybe the softball players and the track players and all that understand there's a chance your name's going to be popping on that Monday program. You guys haven't gotten the national title. You've certainly got a lot of a recognition. You're in, you know, a perennial NCAA tournament um, appearance is not the right word. It kind of mumbled my words there. But is are there goals now like, okay, we've done all this. Now it's championship or bust. Or are there smaller goals that still are more attainable that make the season a success? And the national championship, if it happens, it happens. Yeah, I think. I've never gotten one, right? It's really, really hard, I think. Um, there's very yeah, few very teams hard. that have done it, right? Very few teams that have done it. I think that at that time of year, things have to go in your way to to get it done. Um, we certainly want one, and we're fighting for one. And um, bring recruits in, and we'll show them our Final Four trophies. And I joke with every one of them kind of joke, but not really joke. I want to know if I can lift the big one over my head, not the little one. Um, you know, as they sit next to wrestling championship trophies and track and field trophies, and we want to get our hands on a big one. And I think we can do that at Warburg. Um, it's been shown to be done at Warburg, but we won't in our success, whether we get one or not, it's about can we be the best that we can be? And and I think if we just continue to keep our sights on the day-to-day and getting better and playing together and being great teammates and um, stepping up to every challenge that we can, then we're going to be really happy at the end with, with who we've become in that process. Um, I will tell you, winning at Hope last year uh, in the Sweet 16 against that team um, I think we were major underdogs, um, and our kids, well, first coach Jacobs put together the perfect scout and then our kids executed that, that game plan as well as I could have ever imagined. And we hit a bunch of shots and that got our group to believe that we can beat anywhere, beat anybody, anytime, um, if we are that version of ourselves. So, and that, that's kind of why the, the bad taste in our mouth is, is in that Christopher Newport game, because I don't Fair. think we were good um, credit to them for some of that. But, you know, I think we left one on the table and, and our, our players believe that too. It's just, you don't know how many chances you're going to get. Right. And we've had a couple in the final four and, um, we just want another one. So we're not going to get there if we look ahead, though. It's got to be, you know, today in practice, we our focus was to get better, and we were challenging them, and and our kids really stepped up today in practice, and that's what you want to see as a coach. Yeah, you guys unceremoniously ended pretty much the dynasty of hope. Uh, they're, they're still a good program, but that was kind of their 
finale of what was a dominating run and it wasn't uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't count them I, out, i'm just saying they're a little bit more <laughs> they're a little bit more on the competitive side now they say they're uh they're still fearsome don't get me wrong off. i know but yeah. teams have already beaten them this year so it just goes to show that you know it hopes a little bit more mortal maybe is a better way of saying it but i think i think that's fair yeah that's fair but yeah. it again it, it i can understand the the point you know you went into that christopher newport going well if we just knocked off that behemoth we can knock off this behemoth and i can understand that being a bit of a sore spot as a result of it and again it drives this season for most of your players even if it's not overt it, it's it's something there that simmers and you guys have been really synonymous with consistency that is for sure as we talked about at the beginning of this and i'm pretty impressed with it and especially i'll be honest no one would expect that maybe from a middle of the country place because it, it's not like you guys it's the easiest place to recruit to i am sure not only because it is a very good academic institution but it's it's iowa and and i know that doesn't mean you get those on the east coast or the west coast going oh i'm going to iowa to play basketball you've got you've got a a challenge in recruiting uh yes and no i mean i think everybody has challenges in recruiting but that's true iowa high school basketball right now and the aau scene in iowa is as good as anywhere um it i mean we're in caitlin clark territory and uh it's uh there are a lot of really good players, well-coached players in our state. And I think that um, if we can continue to be successful in recruiting close to home, which, which is how we built it, that we're going to be really good. Um, we got to get the, the best non-scholarship players in our part of the state. And fortunately, for the most part, we've been able to do that. Um, we've lost a few here and there, but we've built this thing with – kids within two hours of campus. And that does a lot for us in a lot of ways. It puts people in our stands. It builds, um, That's you know, true. people yeah. see that, oh, that kid went there. I want to go play with her. And, um, you know, it's it'd be different if we were building it with kids that people around here did, had never heard of. And um, we, we want to be a team of mostly local talent and then supplement that with with whatever we can from a little further away but you know warburg's got a great reputation um i think that academically great reputation our facilities are top notch um and then obviously our athletic department and the, the success throughout our athletic department i think puts us on the map and has opened some doors for us certainly our success um, has gotten some people to look at us. Um, so it's a great place. It's been really good to us. And, um, I don't think it's a hard sell. No, I, I agree. It's certainly an interesting dynamic. And that's what I love about division three too, because every story you hear is got its own dynamics and its own uniqueness that makes it, uh, different. Uh, and, and what's makes, makes division three so awesome. Hey, Bob, appreciate the time. We talked to you quite a bit, more than I planned, but I love hearing from you and love hearing your perspective. Uh, Good luck the rest of the way, especially in the next four, but I know the conference race will be no easy feat either, so we'll look forward to watching how the Knights and the ARC come together the rest of the way. As always, though, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in? Yeah, I just appreciate you, and um, I'm going to 
put out put out the commercial right now to buy these shirts when they come out and available again. Um, I I just hope people are supporting you and you what you need to continue what you're doing because it uh, anybody that makes it a better experience for our players, um, I'm all about and a big fan of, and you guys certainly are are doing that and always have. Um, and then a shout out I want to give to is to my staff and the hours they put in and how good they are. Um, they make me look really good, but a lot of our success is due to to what they're doing and. Sometimes I can just sit back and let them work and um, they're really good at what they do. I, I would argue my staff is as good as any in the country and um, Coach Jacobs and Coach Little are, uh, I'm really lucky to have them and they're a big part of our success. Well said about the staff. It, it is always those behind the scenes who don't get all the attention who certainly help put it all together. Appreciate it. Uh, kind words of yours as well. Uh, we'll put the pressures on. Um, we'll make maybe a goal of early January after the holidays of putting something together and figuring it all out. Um, That'd be great. We'll, fi- keep, we'll keep orange. I, keep orange in this logo, though. Yeah, oh, I know, I know. You're biased. I get it, but orange stays. That's our colors. That's for okay, sure. Good. Hey, appreciate the time. Enjoy the holidays, even if it's got some games around it. Um, and we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Hey, Dave. That got cut off at the end. Apologies. We actually, a <laughs> little backstory, didn't have to mention it, but we saw the video issues there and the interview got cut off there at the end. Uh, that was Bob Amesbury from Wartburg joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Um, I finished the interview with Bob. I saved the file, you know, stopped the recording, closed the program, et cetera. did a couple of minor things and went over and looked at it to get it ready for the show. And I noticed the icon looked weird, which usually is a bad sign. So I started looking into it and the file was not there it was corrupt something was wrong um worst moment ever by the way just just the worst moment ever after you've had a great conversation that you know you could never reduplicate no matter how hard you try um it was gone and uh long story short i was able to uh save it um through another program able to resurrect it after a little bit of work and and waste of time But the result was there. You saw the video lip sync issues uh, there during the interview. But it was more important to uh, run the interview and get all of Bob's thoughts than it was uh, to uh, try and figure it out another way or run it another time. But thanks to Bob for coming on the show. I know this is going to pain all of you at Wartburg, but we are going to pivot now to the Stag Bowl in Salem. I know it's not hoops directly related, but it is hoops related. When we come back, we will talk to Pat Coleman, talk about the history and the traditions and everything else involved that has made uh, Salem the city of champions and why Stag Bowl is back for its 50th or its 25th, 25th appearance for its 50th installment. And more importantly, why that has everything to do with basketball as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com. More, more when we come back. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. I used to 
never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue along, um, quick scoring updates from games that are finalized on the men's side. Hampton Sydney got past Swarthmore 67 46. It was actually a little bit closer than that. Swarthmore had gone on a 13 4 run, as we had mentioned, to start the second half. That point was the closest it got to within six. Uh, Hampton Sydney ended up uh, finishing the second after that 32 20, outscoring the Garnet. So Hampton Sydney continues to motor along as a sixth ranked team in the country with the win over Swarthmore, who falls to, I believe, 7 3 now on the season so uh, we'll see how voters treat that one the other one virginia wesley knocked off christopher newport virginia wesley in the 74 68 win virginia wesley and won both halves uh virginia wesley shot 42 percent from the floor including 54 percent from beyond the arc at 7 to 13 from beyond the arc christopher newport wasn't bad they just weren't great they were uh 34 from the floor and 40 percent from deep at 8 of 20 um, and they out-rebounded Virginia Wesleyan, in fact, 50-40, to 40, including 23 offensive rebounds for the captains. They just couldn't do anything with it. They only led the game once, um, and that was early on in the game. In fact, they only led for the opening 14 seconds of the contest, and it was the rest of it was uh, Virginia Wesleyan, who now improves to, I believe, the 10-1. and one. Christopher Newport falls to 7-3. and three. If I have that right, sometimes I read the live stats uh, records a little wrong, but be interesting. Um, Christopher Newport will stay in the top 25 until the new poll. Um, but I think Virginia Wesley, a team I debated about putting into my ballot this week, but I wanted to wait for this game. Um, unless something changes my mind, I think I'm going to have uh, the Marlins back on my top 25. There'll be three ODAC teams in the top 25, at least on my ballot. Speaking of the ODAC, of course, they're the co-hosts with the old uh, the old Dominion Athletic Conference is in Salem, Virginia, for the for the fiftieth Stag Bowl. It'll be the twenty fifth Stag Bowl, in fact, in Salem alone. They hosted twenty four in a row. Now they're back for a twenty fifth for themselves. It is part of a hundred and two. What well, will be a hundred and two championships in the entire NCAA that will take place in Salem. And while it's a football championship, we realize we did want to tip our hat to the city of Salem and talk about what's so great and what they have done about championships that has really impacted the entire division and in all sports, especially as you know, men's basketball and women's basketball as well. So earlier today, I chatted with Pat Coleman, editor-in-chief of D3sports.com and D3football.com, et cetera, et cetera, about Salem, its history, what makes it so great. And we even dove in a little bit to talk about the football game. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, friend of the show, friend of all of ours, it's Pat Coleman, D3sports.com uh, editor-in-chief, uh, D3 sports guru, whatever we want to call you, Pat. We'll just throw on some titles for you. I'll wear this hat. 
or I can wear this. Very nice. Let me know. We're center cut a little bit, but I think people can recognize the, the two different logos for sure. Cause there's, yeah. there's orange and red. That's a good giveaway. Um, yeah. You're in Salem. We should point out at one of my favorite hotels um, for the football championships, the stag bowl back in Salem for number 50. Um, listen, we'll talk about it a little bit later. You know how this is a little bit bittersweet. But it is still great that Salem's getting this one. This this roadmap for what Division Three championships are across the board all started in 1993, Pat. And it's something I know Salem is proud of, But and they should be, right? Yeah, they should be. It's kind of the brainchild of um, you know Dan Woolridge, the long-ago commissioner of the Old Dominion Athletic Conference, uh, with the Salem folks who you know we're looking at, because Dan was a football referee as part of his background. And... Part, one thing that he noticed was the Division Three football championship, which had been played in places such as uh, Bradenton, Florida, and in Alabama, places that certainly then didn't have a big Division Three presence and really now don't have much of one either, especially not in Florida, uh, took it and said, you know, why couldn't we bring this game to our place, play it here at Salem Stadium, make it a big, you know, Division Three thing? Like it used to be that not even – Division three officials would officiate that game. They would be division one refs who, you know, often couldn't really care less about the outcome. It was more of a, uh, more of a junket for them to go someplace warm for a few days, et cetera, et cetera. They took this, they brought it to Salem and it didn't leave for 24 years. And it spawned itself into Division three men's basketball championships and then division three women's basketball championships have been hosted in Salem as well. And a number of other division three championships, some D two championships as well. Uh, you know, this kind of brainchild of more than 30 years ago turned into everything kind of that you see at the division three championship level today, frankly. 102nd NCAA championship will be handed out with the stag bowl trophy this will be the 83rd in Division Three. I'm sorry. Yeah, 83rd in Division Three. Do the math. I mean, since 93, that, that is a lot of championships. This exploded from a, hey, let's go grab the Stag Bowl to literally the moniker they now have, Championship City. They take it seriously. But I'm pretty sure when they started this, Pat, they weren't thinking, oh, yeah, we'll just turn this into a whole other entity. No, I have, you know, I'm sure that, uh, you know, I know how that story goes, right? I think when uh, people ask me the same sort of question about D3Hoops.com, it's like, did you envision that it would turn into this thing? No, no, I did not. I just thought I'd do that for like a couple nights a week and we'd put some news on a website and <laughs> sure. it would be more than there was before and yeah. everything would be great. Um, and I'm sure that they felt the same way, right? But they have here in Salem, Virginia and in the Roanoke area, a committed group of volunteers who are really uh, focused on the student athlete experience. Uh, I'll, I'll give you an example, Dave. I almost called you Greg, and then I almost called you Keith, and then I almost called you Frank. I get so it, in, sir. It's all good. <laughs> I'm in football mode right now. But the example is that uh, North Central's football team has been to the Stag Bowl for four years in a row, and they have played in four different locations. This is the first time that they've come to Salem. And, you know, just after they had been on the ground for less than 24 hours when we talked to them yesterday, and they were already raving about the friendliness, the helpfulness of people, you know, they have a host family, right? Which you and I know, this is the thing they do. There is uh, the Salem organizers 
have a family kind of assigned to each team that can help them with like logistics or questions about how to get around town or, Hey, you know, where can we get laundry done? That's, you know, those sorts of things were not things that North Central's experienced at any of the other three places that they have been in Texas and Ohio and Maryland over the course of the past three years. You know, these folks just know how to know how to run a championship and they know hospitality. And that's the combination of the things that I think has really elevated Salem uh, above some of the other places that host division three championships, including this uh, stag bowl. Yeah, I think that's the student athlete experience, I think, is what is the key here. Listen, we've heard a lot of complaints about Salem in the past. Like, eh, it's hard to get to. I heard it in soccer because, you know, St. Olaf admittedly had to leave a little bit earlier than maybe they would have normally to try and figure out a flight to Roanoke. Uh, Other fans complain that it's difficult to get to Roanoke. They got to fly into Dulles, maybe, or they got to fly into Charleston, West Virginia or or Greensboro, North Carolina, because it's too hard to get into Roanoke. But that's not the point. The point has always been on Salem's side that we're focused on the student athlete. We want this experience in this place to be the best experience, win or lose for that player to get. And I think that gets overlooked that people get focused on what it's like for the fans. And by the way, the fan have a great time there too, once they get there, but that's not the priority for Salem. No, it isn't. And you know, frankly, Dave, I don't think it's really the, the priority for NCAA division three either. When you think about the constituents that they really focus on and who they feel like they are beholden to, the fans are kind of at the bottom of the list. The student athletes are at the top. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of benefit to being a division three student athlete. Uh, sometimes at some colleges, you know, the more elite the college, the more a student athlete might get looked down on in a, uh, in a classroom setting, for example, or in a dormitory or in a dining hall situation. Um, you know, the least we can do is make sure that they have as great an experience as possible at the championship site. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely hard to get to, it would it be great if Salem, Virginia were located where, I don't know, Columbus, Ohio is. That's always my go-to for like the geographical epicenter of Division Three. Yeah, that would be great if that were the thing. Uh, it is a little further. I get that. Um, but it's still within driving distance of a whole bunch of Division Three schools. And I think that that certainly helps. Um, you know, it wasn't great for Mary Hart and Baylor, and it wasn't great for uh, UW-Whitewater. But going to Texas wasn't great for anybody but Mary Harden Baylor. So, you know, it's we have a we have a large country. I don't know if people are aware of that. I was going to say it might be even marginal for Mary Harden Baylor in that trip to Texas, too. I, I, it, it just felt disconjointed. Um, and I know they were trying to get wrangled in, but that's a whole nother inside baseball story we don't need to dive into. Um, I, it's interesting because Salem did lose basketball, men's basketball and football rather unceremoniously, rather at the same time, at the same time, kind of wool or uh, rug pulled right out from underneath them. Um, no warning, no hints other than maybe some things on the basketball side that in hindsight were a little bit obnoxious. Um, and that's not from any committee members. I'll, I'll point out, but to their credit, a, they pivoted to other championships. They're not just yeah. giving up women's basketball has been there once it's coming back. Uh, we've talked about others. We'll talk more after this interview about all the championships. But, Pat, they're still rolling out the red carpet. And when the National Committee says, hey, Salem, do you mind hosting the 50th for us? We think it's appropriate to do so. Salem, who already decided we're not doing this anymore, said, you know what? No, we, we will. And we'll do it like we always do. And we'll do it right. And that's a credit to them. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Dave, I haven't really heard anybody actually say this on the record. I think there are a lot of hurt feelings here still. This is like oh, absolutely. Six yeah, six years later that football and men's basketball both departed at the same time. Um, that was a uh, that was a big blow and a and a bad day in NCAA Division Three. But you know, in terms of what's getting put together for the Stag Bowl here on Friday night, uh, you know, first off. Uh, ceremonial coin toss will be performed by two players from the 1973 Wittenberg championship team. That is the team that won stag bowl one. That's so awesome. Two members of that team. Oh gosh. John Paulini and Randy DeMont. I have my notes in front of me. We'll, we'll Very come good to do you, the, uh, yeah, we'll come to do that, uh, ceremonial coin toss. They are inviting back, you know, a lot of the key figures in division three football across the span where it was here, that 24, 25 year span where it was here. So, uh, Wayne Burrow, who was the longtime liaison from the NCAA, that's the NCAA's uh, employee who is in charge of this championship. Uh, he is coming back. He was instrumental in it staying here year after year after year. Um, you know, I think just about every former national chair of the football committee was invited to return. So we look forward to seeing a bunch of those people here on Friday night. Um, and I, yeah, and Charlie Baker, actually the uh, president of the NCAA, and who's a guy with a Division Three connection, uh, will be here for this event as well. I don't know if you remember when Miles Brand was here in 2005. I got to interview him on the sidelines. Um, I don't believe that Charlie Baker's going to be walking the sidelines of this game. We may not have access to him, but uh, you know, I mean, that would be rare. a great story, right? My point is, it's rare. Like you know, think about how we talked about how. Um, it wasn't all that often that Dan Dutcher, the NCAA vice president for division three was at one of these particular championships. And in the 20 last uh, 25 years, we've been covering it. This is only the second time the actual president of the NCAA will be here. I yeah, think they I mean, pulled out as many stops as you can pull out here in Salem. Yeah. I mean, I know Dan made his best to get to every championship he could. He rotated. Luis was at soccer for a short period before she had to depart. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it meant, you know, to have the president make an effort yeah, that's significant. Uh, and certainly a tip of the hat. Yeah. Um, look, quickly, before I get your thoughts on the football game and, some, and one other thing, but people don't appreciate also that a lot of what Salem created and started doing as part of their championships has now become the template for not only championships in Division Three but across the NCAA. We're talking community service and championship dinners and a lot of other things. Not everything Salem's done, but a lot of those became, hey, no, we, this is what we do. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned uh, community service specifically. That's something that they've been doing since way back in the 1990s. So, you know, these student athletes will go out and uh, do community service in a local school, maybe read to elementary school students, do a volunteer project, that sort of thing to connect them to the community. Also, you know, Dave, the the uh, Division Three's relationship with Special Olympics started here in Salem. That was something that this group here in Salem you know, went out and did for these championships that took place here. And then everybody in the NCAA kind of leadership for Division Three saw what a good idea that was, and they expanded it across the rest of the Division Three championships. I think we mentioned uh, championship banquets. Uh, some of those may have gone away during, uh, the, during COVID. I think they are slowly coming back, uh, you know, just opportunities for the student athletes to meet and mingle as well uh, in a non-competitive way. Uh, before the championship. I think there's a lot of things that they've done here that are, you know, they're really good and they're good to be done elsewhere. And they've been picked up, as you said, in lots of other places. 
Yeah, uh, I wouldn't. I'd say they're not as well done. I love to see the Special Olympics done, maybe a little bit better in some places. But uh, you great mention the Special Olympics because D three now literally synonymous with Special Olympics at the national level across the board. Um, I would say baseball in Cedar Rapids, especially, and in uh, Appleton, did a, did Special Olympics well. That's awesome. I, I love it when they do it, and and I, it's always one of my highlights uh, of championship weekends. Um, your, I, I know this is a loaded question, Pat, but any favorite memories, especially on the football side, since you're there, uh, that that, oh, gosh. that has come back now that you're back in Salem? And, and maybe that's a slight way of teasing some content. <laughs> well, that is true, Dave. I mean, if you if people go to d3football.com uh, tonight, during or after this show, they will see that we had a, a rather large package of content just kind of revisiting some of the highlights in Salem over the course of, you know, 1993 to when it left. Um, one of my favorites is, uh, I guess I have two real big favorite memories. One was in 2003, the way St. John's heavily un- underdogged came in and just took it to St. John's and had like three big, super memorable, epic plays, a, you know, a, a run where uh, at the uh, end of the first half, St. John's bypasses a field goal and goes for it on what was going to be the last play of the half. And a running back just blows up a Mount Union linebacker, I believe, on the way to the end zone to give them some momentum. And then their star wide receiver, uh, Blake Elliott, gets put in the backfield because he's got a bit of a hamstring issue. And he goes 51 yards on touch to the end zone for a touchdown. And then Mike Zahar gets a uh, coast-to-coast 100-yard pick six to steal the game in the fourth quarter. That's super memorable, and it's, you know, John Gillardy's only championship in Salem. John, of course, is the winningest coach in all levels of NCAA football all time, and uh, that was a that was a big memory. And also, I got a byline in USA Today out of it. Got to write a story for that, so that was uh, that, that's another reason why it's memorable. Um, also, I think, you know, I just think back to the Herculean effort that the folks here in Salem did in 2009 on a day in which 18 inches of snow fell in less than 24 hours right before game time. So the game was delayed by five hours, but they literally cleared 18 inches of snow out of the parking lot, out of the stadium, of course, off the field uh, and and held a game. And that was pretty impressive. Um, we've certainly seen, you know, games postponed by a day or more in much less severe weather. I think uh, kudos to them. And it really shows, uh, you know, just the the massive volunteer army that they can muster at a moment's notice when when things are needed. Um, those are a lot of fun from the uh, the football side. Uh, the basketball audience, if they remember where I graduated from, can probably remember the only basketball. No, we don't um, talk about that, that here, I'm, Pat. We don't talk about that here. here. No, <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. All right. Uh, <laughs> We don't, we don't talk about 2001. I gotcha. No, I kid, um, obviously. Calling my alma mater in the national championship, winning the national championship, obviously, is going to be the highlight uh, of my rest of my basketball broadcast career, and that's 22 years ago. So it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> my, it was my first uh, of what has been a long streak of championships yep. for me, myself as well. So it, it is a highlight for me, especially knowing a school. That was that made it more unique. Um, hey, listen, we got to talk about the game quickly before I let you go. Uh, I know the big purple powers have arrived, and oh, wait, it's actually D3 football colors painting 
the Roanoke Valley. It's all red, sir. This is this is a fascinating game because I'll admit I didn't expect Cortland to absolutely spank Randolph Macon on their way to a title game. No, I don't think anybody expected. Maybe outside of Cortland, New York, anyway, expected Cortland to just decimate Randolph Macon the way they did. Uh, when you mentioned rolling out the red carpet earlier, I thought we were going in this direction. Then, yeah, um, bad pun. It is a. Uh, yeah, it's a great. Uh, it, it's great to see new teams, right? Uh, North Central obviously is not a new team. They've been doing it, as we said, this is their fourth consecutive year, and they're you know going for back-to-back championships and three championships in four playoffs. Um, Cortland's a lot of fun. Cortland projects a lot like North Central offensively. They have a lot of similar weapons. Uh, whether that's good for Cortland's offense or North Central's defense is something we will wait to find out on Friday night. Um, you know, I think the uh, the conventional wisdom suggests a high-scoring game. And I think that when we have our score predictions on the site on Friday morning, you'll probably see more people pick North Central than Cortland. But uh, I'm just hoping for a good, interesting, fun game. As a, as a broadcaster, uh, I have Keith McMillan to my right to talk about defense uh, because he's a guy who played safety at Randolph-Macon, but I am all about the offense, so... If it's 48 to 45, I'll be super happy. Yeah, that's a good point. Just be ready for the kickoff. That's all I suggest. You know, the thing is, we have like two and a half minutes to wait before it comes. So I think we'll be all right. Um, hey, quickly, uh, when do you guys all get rolling on Friday night? So uh, pregame show on D3football.com is going to start at 430. Kickoff will be a little bit after 7. So in this pregame show, we are doing all sorts of things. We are announcing the Gallardi Trophy winner. The Gallardi Trophy is the basically the Heisman for Division Three football. If you had a Heisman Trophy that included uh, academics and community service, then that's what this would be. So we get to announce who of the five finalists wins that. Then, you know, um, Dave, we are also now the home of the Cliff Harris Trophy, the Cliff Harris Award. So this is a an award that goes to small college defensive players. There had been just one for all of D2, D3, and NAIA combined. And starting this year, there's going to be one named at each of those levels. Uh, That will be our responsibility to pick that, and we'll announce that in the pregame show as well. Uh, That's also going to be our National Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Spoilers. Um, We will, uh, yeah, we will also announce the uh, D3Football.com All-America team. And then we spent a bunch of time on Wednesday talking with uh, the head coaches from each team, players from each side. Uh, you know, if there's time in this pregame show, I know I've named a lot of things for two and a half hours. Um, you know, our goal has also been in the past to get like uh, alums of programs on to talk about the the joy of being in the Stag Bowl for a segment. Um, you know, if the folks who are hosting the next uh, Stag Bowl in Humble, Texas are here, we'll talk to them as well. Uh, the, as you might expect, Dave, the, uh, rundown for the pregame show for that takes place in a little over 24 hours is still a little fluid, but, uh, but we're getting there. We've got a, we've got a lot of content to bring and we'll be down on field level for pregame as well as we've been for about the past uh, decade or so. So we're super excited about that. That's always a fun time. Yeah. The producer and me's kind of got flags flying, but I'll, I'll leave it to you guys. I'm not there. Uh, so I don't need to stress you're, out. You're saying time. our show's a little heavy, right? Our show's definitely heavy. It's a bit heavy. We, I, I might add 30 minutes. <laughs> we already did. 4.30. I noticed the 4.30 felt like an ad. Yeah. No, that felt like an ad to me. <laughs> well, we had, I mean, frankly, Dave, we had really great conversations with the folks from North Central and the folks from Cortland 
on Wednesday. Um, you know, good the content nice is, is good that, content. Right, exactly. So let's get it out there. You know, sometimes we record so much that we can't get it all out there. We're going to try to get it all out there. Um, I would say too, like the North Central people have always been great to work with over the course of the past four years. I feel like anytime that we've brought them a story idea, they're like, yeah, let's do it. Or, you know, a request for an interview, they are all for it. And, you know, Cortland, we've known uh, SID friend Ilya, 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 hit it again for, uh, for decades, practically. Um, and he's, uh, super excited to have a team here. We've worked with him at the baseball championships and at the lacrosse championships in the past. So, uh, we got, we got good access and, uh, some compelling video from practice yesterday that we will share and that sort of thing. It's, uh, it's going to be a good pregame. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. And, um, no tip of the hat to all those people you mentioned, certainly. Hey, you've given me plenty of time. I, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks so much for the insight. I thought it was worth celebrating Salem here on the on the night before the stag bowl uh as always we give the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in i mean even if you're not a division three football fan come on friday night i don't know that there's a ton of basketball going on on december 15th on a friday night come join us on d3football.com we will have that live audio broadcast for you we've been doing that since 1999 and division three football is a lot of fun i am super jazzed up about it maybe this year even more than normal so uh Come have fun. And also, if you haven't seen uh, We Didn't Start the Stag Bowl, basically the We Didn't Start the Fire um, parody with uh, 25 years worth of Stag Bowl and Division Three football references in it, uh, it's been getting good reviews. Normally, I'm not a prisoner who likes to toot my own horn, but... When no, I it's solid, with, sir. Even my kids were asking me what the heck they were listening to. I appreciate that. I, when, I, when I knew it had arrived, and I know we're, we're heavy in this segment, too, but I, I knew it arrived when I chatted with uh, the ESPN radio up in Ithaca, New York yesterday to do an interview about the stag bowl. And the first thing the guy asked me about was the song. I'm like, all right. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's epic. That's yeah, epic. Well, Thanks, congrats Dave. guys. Uh, enjoy yourself down there. Do you want me to just, by the way, snip this and, and send it down to you for, for pregame? I, I don't know if you have enough content if you need it. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, I suspect you're not actually joking, but, um, Half. you know, <laughs> it, it might not hurt. You never know when a segment might, uh, yeah. might fall apart. I'll upload it for you guys in case you need it. Hey, Pat, appreciate the time. Seriously. Cause I know you're busy. Um, enjoy the stag bowls. Tell everybody I said, hi, Especially yeah. those I may have missed a few weeks ago at soccer. And we'll look forward to catching up with you when you've finally taken a breath and see you in Las Vegas. See you in Las Vegas. Pat Coleman joining us here on the Hoopsaw Hotline. Appreciate Pat coming on the show. Great to chat with him as always. Let me point out, this is a thrown together graphic. Not as well as I wanted to make it, but per that Wartburg file, we ran out of time. But thanks to J.J. Nekoloff, I got the championships. Remember, 102 championships on Friday will be have crowned in Salem. 83 of them in Division Three, and here's that breakdown in Division Three: 25 football, the, I'm counting Friday's championship, 22 in men's basketball, 14 in softball, 15 in women's lacrosse, 5 in baseball, 3 in women's lacrosse and baseball, both with 5, uh, men's and, and women's soccer, both with 3, they just did the third one recently uh, for both of them, women's volleyball, 2, men's volleyball, 1, women's basketball, 1. I know women's basketball is coming back, softball will be back. 
Uh, both soccers will be back, though there's a year off. They're going to Las Vegas next year. Um, women's lacrosse will be returning. So you've got women's lacrosse will be number six. Women's basketball at some point will be number seven. Both soccers will be back. That's eight, nine. Um, I, I'm not doing that right, but uh, that's that's over five, six. You, you've got plenty of championships to come in Salem. That has been what they have done, and it's great to see the success. I'm sorry the graphic isn't as great as I wanted to make it, but you kind of get a sense of what has happened in Salem with championships since 1993. I would take a break, but we're just going to wrap things up. The show went a little longer than I anticipated, um, but I hope you enjoyed it. We had an absolute a blast of a conversation today with John Carroll's Pete Moran and Guilford's Tom Palumbo and UW Stout's um, Hannah Iverson and Wartburg's Bob Amesbury and, of course, Pat Coleman from D3 Sports, D3 Football, D3 Hoops. Great to chat with everybody. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, I think it was fascinating to talk about it all don't forget football coming up the stag bowl is uh on friday evening i suggest you go to espn you and watch it video wise and you call up the d3 football broadcast and you sync them up you can do it nowadays with with technology you can sync them up get them pretty close to accurate and tune in and enjoy that one i think it'll be a great game uh between north central and Cortland. and then of course basketball we'll be back here on monday to discuss what's happened over the weekend and kind of preview ahead of the holiday stuff coming up including big games um, in Vegas, for example, and elsewhere. We've hinted at it on a couple interviews. We'll do some more of that coming up on Monday. That will be our last show before the holidays, unless something changes. We've decided we're not going to do the show on the 21st. We're just going to take a break and relax a little bit more there instead. Um, so, yeah, you know what, I, what I'm getting at there. Um, we're just going to spend some time with the family. Uh, it is certainly important to us, and I think it, it's worth doing. So we're just, we don't have an absolute push to get on the air on the, 31st, on the 21st. If, again, if something changes our situation, if something comes up, we're like, you know what, maybe we should do that, then we'll do it. We'll certainly do it at that point. But unless something comes up, we're just not going to stress ourselves out. Uh, we're going to enjoy some family time, uh, so on and so forth. So I hope you un uh, understand that. I'm sure you do. Um, but stay with us at all times because we, we hope we'll hear from you at different points along the way. Um, there's certainly plenty to talk about in Division Three, and we're not giving up on the conversation at, at all, as they say. Um, so I'm sure we'll hear from you throughout. And there's good basketball to be played. Go support these student-athletes. Um, enjoy everything that is the student-athlete and enjoy everything that is Division Three basketball. Enjoy your holidays. We'll talk more about it on Monday and certainly plenty to talk about throughout Division Three. Thanks to our guests. Again, uh, Pete Moran and Tom Palumbo and Hannah Iverson and Bob Amesbury and Pat Coleman. I want to thank the SIDs that helped us out across the board. Ben at Wartburg, um, Casey at Stout, Joe at uh, John Carroll and um, Ronnie at Guilford. Your help in getting us on the air. Certainly appreciate it as well. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed it. Um, thanks again to everybody. Take care of yourselves. We certainly look forward to talking to you on Monday. And we'll have plenty more then about Division Three, Because if you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. And we have plenty to talk about in Division Three. Thanks to everybody who supports us. We will talk to you on Monday. Take care, everybody.